Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Week 5 Review Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hardison, joining me as he always does on this Sunday evening, East Coast, West Coast, wherever the hell you are right now, the one, the only, MB Fantasy Life's Finest, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. What's up, Dwayne? What is up, Mr. Harditz? I can't do t- five weeks. Like, I, I don't know how we're through five weeks already. Like, this is crazy. I, I, we got one more game left, but man, like the season is flying by. It really is. And then it won't be because we're going to be like week 12. Like, holy <laughs> shit, are we ever going to be done with this? But in a good way, man. So great day to be great as always. Appreciate you guys joining us live right now. And first time joining us, first of all, thank you. Welcome. But yeah, we're going through every single game that just happened here on this lovely Sunday night. Talking, you know, Dwayne's utilization takeaways, my random stuff, the sheeshes I saw during the games, all that and so much more. So with that, boys, let's go ahead and get after it. Kicking things off, we had the London game in the morning morning giants took down the packers 27 to 22 covering as nine and a half point dogs over cashed out 42 there's you know Dwayne did all these write-ups throughout the week you know quarterback running back wide receiver tight end and for the giants i really only had the right one and that was for saquon barkley everything else was just you know forget about it if you have saquon you're playing them if not you're good and that's basically what we saw here saquon continuing to do king shit now we only had the 67 snap rate that was because he unfortunately had to miss time with a shoulder injury but came back in Dwayne. and once again i mean you said this i think after week two and maybe it took some of us mortals a little bit longer to catch up but we're all here man if we re- did the draft tomorrow saquon barkley the overall rb1 yeah and he's really all you need to talk about today on the team as well <laughs> so it's all you wrote about heading in and it's all we really care about you know coming out of the game i know uh daniel ballinger did show up with 10.4 fantasy points um but still not out there really enough only a 58 percent route participation today for him so a guy that i know we talked about early on in the season and and the giants are definitely starving for targets but there's not anyone in this passing game that's getting enough route participation right now to be someone that we can really think oh we're going to put them into our fantasy lineup now maybe they eventually get healthy we see a wandel maybe i mean i don't know if it'd be too much to ask with the fantasy guys we eventually see Kadarius tony but even if he's healthy i don't know if we'll see tony because the coaches just you know they like they like to get like marcus johnson out there bro hey easy on that marcus johnson slam. i I've had to throw that, that in there just for you <laughs> i've seen that guy so many preseason games so many random backup he has some good uh good plays with the colts over the years guys i i really thought he might have a chance on the titans but yes pretty much just saquon shout out darius slayton he did have a nice game there six catches 79 yards and the one incomplete target could have been a good 40 yards man daniel jones unfortunately not perfect as we've been known to see over the years but more good than bad today uh to his credit unfortunately couldn't hit darius slayton there but yeah, this season, Saquon Barkley on pace for 2,298 yards. Not too shabby for someone that we were told not that long ago was simply washed and not good anymore. Good thing those haters didn't get to cut, see that come true. Now on the Packers side of things, uh, Dwayne, this was a weird one because like the first half, if you guys were up this early and on Twitter, like people were anointing the Packers, talking about how scary they looked, the defense, the offense, and they, you know, they just lost to the New York Giants in London. So things ex- honestly went quite a bit different in the second half. You know, they did have 20 first half points, only got that safety in the first quarter. So do you have kind of like overall thoughts just on this Packers offense at this point, Dwayne, because going into the year, I really thought it was going to be more so the Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon show. I even sent a little meme out before the game where it's like the Shaq and Kobe, you know, video highlights. And I'm like, yeah, this is going to be Jones and Dillon this weekend. And on the one hand, okay, they they are both, you know, regularly clearing the 15 combined, you know, carries and targets more weeks than not. Dillon couldn't get there today, but usually has better weeks. On the other hand, I do wonder if a little bit of what we're falling into 
in Dallas with this offense not being as good in New England, at least, you know, when it was still a two-back committee. Do you think the Jones and Dylan combination is significantly less valuable when we're dealing with this version of the Packers offense that might just simply be good, not great? Uh, I mean, I still think they're like two guys that are going to just want to try to keep involved. You just have some game scripts that get kind of weird. Um, they don't, the big thing for the Packers, like, is they just don't run enough plays, man. Like, you know, they're just a slow offense. They're just kind of, it's a slog. Um, like if we could see them running 70, 75 plays a game, like that would be like pretty, pretty sweet. Um, and today they actually got to 63. Well, that's the highest one I see on the team, unless Aaron Rodgers missed a snap. That's including penalties. So, I mean, that's a little bit better, but that's been the main thing I've noticed. Like, I think, you know, it's pretty much condensed down to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, sorry, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, Alan Lazard, and then Romeo Dow, uh, sorry, Dubs. Ian is Dubs from here on out. And of course, Randall Cobb sprinkling in. But no, it's an offense that like I'm not that excited about. But if I had to pick one player that I want to be using, you know, from it, it's still Aaron, you know, Aaron Jones. I mean, you know, he's out there 73% of the snaps today. AJ Dillon only 32%. That probably had a little bit to do with the game script, but 65% of the rushing attempts today went to Aaron Jones, only 30% to AJ Dillon. So it's just one data point. Like they've been a little bit closer in the weeks past. Um, but it's just not an offense like I'm super excited about. I, I'd be fine owning, you know, uh, Dubs or Lazard, though. Like, it really does seem like those two have been the ones that are on the field all the time. Now, like I said, Cobb led the team in targets today with a 30% target share. Occasionally going to happen. Um, you know, and, and Cobb's, you know, if you're playing in a deep league, you can probably use Cobb, you know, occasionally. But it's just not an offense that, to be honest, like, i just trying to stay away from it if I can outside of Aaron Jones. I enjoy listening to uh, Aaron Rodgers' segment on Pat McAfee more weeks than not if I can get there. And he actually said earlier this week how great Cobb was playing, how he wanted to get him more opportunities. And I was like, yeah, it's just typical Wednesday bullshit. Like, no chance that's going to happen. 13 targets for Randall Cobb in this one. To Aaron Rodgers' point, like, Randall Cobb really has been playing good ball this year, so it made sense he did get more involved. But really, I mean, seven catches, 99 yards, could have been even bigger. He got downed at the one-yard line uh, at one point, potentially had a 29-yard better ball touchdown before the half. And also got close on another one in the first quarter where, again, with a perfect pass, probably could have scored. Also, Romeo, Dubs, Dobbs, whatever you want to do. I know it's Dobbs, but I think it's a compliment to say Dubs. Like I think, I think Dubs so. is the better compliment, yeah. But, you know, <laughs> some people get mad in the mention. So it is what it is. Whatever you want to call him, Romeo. Uh, guys, I've been a lifelong fan of Romeo, Dubs, Dobbs, so I don't want to hear any of this uh, shit from you guys coming at me about that. But anyway, only 29 yards on the day, but he did, you know, have a deep bomb opportunity where, unfortunately, he got held up and that, caused the incompletion and it got them the first down the flag also didn't get him a chance to actually haul in that deep pass i did see a note that christian watson might have re-aggravated that hamstring injury so if that is the case then yeah all wheels go for lazard and dubs if they're not already otherwise yeah it will be interesting Dwayne, if this uh kind of jones dylan usage persists because this was a game where the packers were up two scores at halftime to see aaron jones run away with you know a 74 percent snap rate compared to 31 percent for aj dylan i know we look at dylan and we say he's the grinder and we look at jones and we say he's the slasher whatever it is man this year aj Dillon's averaging 3.9 yards per carry and aaron jones is averaging 6.4 so maybe they do start to go the more effective running back here moving forward at this point i'm still thinking more 50 50 probably just one data point all right absolute blowout here the bills took down the steelers 38 to three covering easily as 14 point favorites under cash at 45. Just another incredible performance from Josh Allen, man. One of his best ones, man. What was he at? 348 passing yards before halftime even came around. He finished with 424. He finished with four touchdowns. And I couldn't help but be disappointed watching this game, Dwayne, because both of us 
said some pretty big things about Devin Singletary, <laughs> talking some big smack over there on the Twitter sphere. On the Twitter sphere, unfortunately, Devin Singletary in a game where his team won thirty-eight to three finishes with just 46 scoreless yards and only seven touches. But Dwayne, when you do look at the snaps, it still is a Devin Singletary show. Unfortunately, they didn't feel the need to really run him into the line during the second half, which, yeah, I get it in real life. But what about us, man? What about the fantasy managers out there? Are we going back to well with Devin Singletary? I feel like this was just incredibly fluky, unfortunate game script, but he's still the guy. Yeah, it feels fluky. What I will say, um, you know, in the games where the Bills have been handled, you know, they've had it, you know, you know, the game in hand, we've seen less Singletary. So if you look at week one and two, 59 and 54%, then you had week three and four more competitive games. Buffalo actually lost one of those games, 74% and 87% snap. So today we got kind of back to really what Buffalo was looking like more over the first couple of games. And so that's the one thing we may need to watch out for, you know, and again, sometimes these things are really tricky. It's a small sample, but in the three games where really Buffalo has been in a better position, um, it's been a situation where Singletary seems to get a little bit more limited. They get the, other, and it's not enough for like Zach Moss, his snaps go up, you know, to 30%, but like he scores 0.7 fantasy points. So it doesn't really help you. Now I will say with James Cook, uh, he took 25% of the rushing attempts um, today, 9.1. He actually led the back. The Bills backfield today was led by James Cook and fantasy points. So maybe there is. Touchdown? A, it looked nice. Looked yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. And he got out there early in the game in a long down and distance situation. It might have been the first drive or the second drive of the game that actually had that game on whenever it happened. And so I kind of noticed it, but still only ended up with 22% of the long down and distance stuff on the day. Buffalo obviously didn't need their two-minute offense. <laughs> they were leading this thing all the way. So I think it'll still be fine with Singletary. I think the thing we'll have to watch out for is whenever they get in these games where it's more of a blowout or they're leading, we're probably not, it's not like they're just going to let Devin Singletary close out the game. They're going to get these other guys involved, probably try to ease the, the load. So that makes the path to victory for Singletary a little bit less every week. We kind of need him to be in a competitive game to really feel good about what's going on. It, uh, it was it was funny seeing James Cook break away for that 24-yard touchdown because I'm just envisioning it now. I, I think Singletary could be an unrestricted free agent after this year. So if he's out of the picture, Dwayne, you know, there's going to be those May tweets showing this like 35-second James Cook highlight film. It might even be made by me. I don't know, man. I'm, I am a fan <laughs> of that a lot of the time. It's just going to be these you know, three or four runs where James Cook looks like an absolute stud. You know, Maybe you know at the end of blowouts against some backup defenses, but whatever. We'll worry about that backfield in 2023 once it gets here. Um, uh, in the wide receiver room. Holy goodness gracious, Gabriel Davis. Three catches, 171 yards, and two touchdowns. Since 2020, including playoffs, these are the only players with at least 20 receiving touchdowns. Actually, more than 20 receiving touchdowns. Devontae Adams, Mike Evans, Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, DK Metcalf, Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen, and one Gabriel Davis. Hysterically, Dwayne, in this game where he has these two long touchdowns, he still really didn't demand that many targets on a per route basis. But hey, this has always been part of the Gabriel Davis experience. We're going to have the bus and we're going to have some booms like today because he's a full time player in an offense with Josh freaking Allen. Now, I think it's part of those issues that we've seen time and time again about his ability to demand a high level target share. Yeah, he's not going to be the most consistent guy in the world, but that's okay. We can live with some bus, man. Well, these are what the booms look like. Yeah, you just have to start Gabe Davis every week. I think it's so funny because each week, like, 
and sometimes I think we kind of instigate it because like I don't ever really come out like hard one way or another on Gabe Davis, but I'll just throw a tweet out there just to stir the pot. And then I just won't even touch the tweet anymore. <laughs> and you'll and you'll go back and you look at it like two days later and people are still responding to it. And you're like, what the hell happened with this tweet? Like I didn't even pay any attention to it. Um, but Gabe Davis definitely is one of those guys where that happens. But you hit it on the head, like 18 percent target share, 18 percent targets per route run. That's who Gabe Davis is. He's a 16 to 20% kind of guy, 18% right down the middle. But guess what? Some of those plays can be really beautiful uh, because you've got a quarterback that can outthrow any coverage, you know, in Josh Allen. Doesn't care if he's playing in a windstorm or not. Like he can <laughs> heave it down. And Gabe Davis, man, give him credit. Like that one catch way down the field, one handed, you know, tracking the ball deep. So sick. You know, dude, like he came up with some big plays, nearly had another score. Um, you know, had some tight coverage on a slant route, you know, ins- inside the uh, five yard line. So, um, yeah, looking at Gabe Davis, it is what it is. You just can't bench him like you got to play him every week. And obviously it's just good to see that he's probably healthy now. Right. I think he's, he's been battling the ankle injury. Um, but it's like you said, it's it's a high powered offense. They're going to throw the ball even when they're leading. They don't care. And when you have that combination, an 18 percent target share can be like as good as a 25 percenter on another team. Speaking of near misses, Stefan Diggs was open for what should have been a 17-yard touchdown, rare misfire from Josh Allen. And without Dawson Knox in this one, we had something named Quentin Morris running around out there, joining. <laughs> He's been the backup throughout the year. This isn't yeah. a situation where I'm like, who the hell is Quentin Morris out here? Uh, but just bringing him up because he did get open down the seam for a potential 24-yard touchdown. That was another rare misfire from Josh Allen. And then they actually fed him a shovel pass on like the two-yard line. He got it and then fumbled it into the end zone where Pittsburgh recovered. So might have been, you know, more unfortunate if, you know, no, the Bills didn't absolutely beat the shit out of Steelers for the heavy majority of Khalil Shakir also uh, came in today. Like, you know, uh, you had Crowder obviously is out for the, well, I don't know if it's the season, but he's on IR now with the ankle. And then you had Isaiah McKenzie still in the concussion protocol. And so it was nice to see, you know, the rookie, the Boise State fourth rounder, or was he fit? Was he might have been fifth rounder? Get out there 70% route participation because, like, we were kind of hoping, like, if you could get one guy to really get most of the slot work like we had seen Beasley in the past years and so on, like we probably have a viable fantasy weapon. He gave you 16 and a half points today in a PPR with a 15% target share. Um, so I, the one thing with this man is with him looking decent, it makes me wonder like even when McKenzie gets back, no. are they just going to turn it back into the same rotation? <laughs> you know, where we've got two guys. We'll have to wait and see because if McKenzie gets this role, well, and it's his, like he gets like a 70% route participation in Buffalo. Like just like what we talked about with Gabe Davis, an eighteen percent target share in Buffalo might be worth twenty five percent on another team. Well, same thing, you know, for you know whoever's the starting slot receiver, a seventy percent route participation, you know, in Buffalo is worth like an eighty five percent, you know, if you're looking like the Packers, right? Because they run so many more plays, so everything's relative. So we'll have to see what happens with the slot receiver role. But Shakir did look good today. I hate slash love when you say smart things that don't match my priors, Dwayne. I just want Isaiah McKenzie to run <laughs> every single too, route that Josh Allen drops back. Is that too much to I ask? Me? It's not, maybe. It's not too much. <laughs> maybe, maybe the guy's never been a full-time player his entire career, but maybe that could change on the Pittsburgh side of things. Uh, one injury to know Pat Fryermuth did suffer a concussion. Absolutely hate to see that. So keep an eye there. Je- Zach Gentry, as much as I love poking fun uh, to Dwayne about Zach Gentry's usage. Sometimes. No, I do not think he will be a viable fancy option in Fryermuth's 
potential absence, mostly just because, I mean, hey, Kenny Pickett, shout out 327 yards. Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch this full game uh, from front to back, so I don't want to be down on Pickett or anything. But we do just have some concern about this overall offensive upside right now, especially Dwayne in the backfield. Guys, in the comments, if anyone knows anything about Najee Harris being hurt, like, did you see something about that, Dwayne? Or did he legitimately just get out? No, I did not either. I was actually going to say the same thing. If anybody in the chat did see something, I and I looked it up briefly, but I didn't, you know, I just did a quick Twitter search. I didn't Uh see anything on Najee missing time. I like saw the rates and I was like, I want to hold off here because this seems weird. Guys, from what we're working with right now, Jalen Warren, 53% snaps. Najee Harris, 47%. Warren had five carries and five targets. Najee had 11 carries and four targets. It's just one data point. With that said, Dwayne, like the usage enough this year with Najee being banged up and not being that 90% workhorse, he's more so been the 70% or so workhorse, and finally just losing some work to Jalen Warren, whereas last year there was no Jalen Warren. It was pretty much only Najee Harris week in and week out. That was already enough for me to move Najee you know way down just more into like i think he was maybe my rb 19 or rb 20 this week so definitely not the volume based rb1 that we drafted him to be we cannot have this this is now like we're talking about when i like scoffed at the idea of putting zeke in the rb3 range if we see another week of this man that's right where Najee's gonna be yeah man i was actually just looking right now i you know because this game was a blowout like so i was trying to look like just real quickly like Maybe he didn't play in the fourth quarter. That's what kind of that's thing. what the comments telling us. Just that it was a game out of hand. Which okay, but how about this, guys? The game's out of hand, and he finishes with uh, four targets. Wasn't that the point <laughs> of Najee Harris, guys? Last year, Najee's pace last year was forty-four catches. I'm sorry, last year. He caught 74 passes and he had 94 targets. This year, he's on pace to catch 44 passes with only 51 targets. It's a completely different role. Yeah. But it was a true blowout. So I mean, yeah. like when you're just you're getting spanked by you know 20 points um late in the game like and and a guy that you know is going to get a lot of touches Najee only had three snaps in the fourth quarter so pretty much all of Jalen Warren's stuff came in the fourth quarter 22 of his snaps came then so I'm I'm not gonna worry I feel better but but well yeah we feel better um (laughs) Najee did not get benched today but like all the problems are still the problems right Najee's not an efficient player the offensive line is not good um, the offense, you know, came out and really laid another dud overall. Now it was nice to see the passing game get over 300 yards. We haven't seen that yet. So, you know, bravo, you know, to Kenny Pickett for getting that done. And, you know, Buffalo is a really good defense and they, they can put you in some rough situations, especially when you got, you know, an offense like that that can just jump out on you. So maybe, maybe there's still a silver lining here for, you know, the, the Steelers offense. And that's the fact that they've actually got a 300 yard passing game under their belt. And hey, you know, George Pickens had 100 yards last week, 83 this week, continues to just look like a beast. Did you see the uh, latest viral video, Dwayne, of him just absolutely big dogging someone, like just shoving oh, quarterbacks dude, he's, down? He's, he's so- awesome. He's awesome. Uh, and it's, it's interesting. Like, you know, he, he led the team in PPR points, you know, today, 14.3, but he was out targeted. You know, Deontay is still getting the most targets, 22%, uh, but Claypool at 18%, and then Pickens at 16%. So um, they're all, all three guys are involved, but if, if again, this is where it's really good for Kenny Pickett. Like if, if he can manage a 275 to say 325 passing yards per week, like, man, it really helps these three guys. Deontay was, we kind of got in the point where it was Deontay or you just put a prayer out there on Pickens. (laughs) So we'll have to wait and see what happens with Pickett. 
with six quarters now with Kenny Pickett under center. Deontay is still the overall target leader with 13, but George Pickens right behind him with 12, Chase Claypool 11, Pat Fryermuth and Zach Gentry at seven, Jalen Warren at five, and Najee Harris at four, Dwayne. No big deal. Najee Harris, you know, seventh <laughs> on his own team in targets. I'm not panicking. You're panicking. Only final note is that Deontay Johnson, I know, bro, it's, this is the same thing every week. I cannot think of another receiver in the NFL that has had like a better season that we just haven't quite seen in the box score than Deontay Johnson. I mean, he had a nasty one-handed catch like inside the five-yard line. His foot was an inch out of bounds. And then he had a near touchdown from 20 yards out where he caught it, but again, was just out of bounds. Last week, he had the same damn thing from Trubisky down the middle. So, uh, and uh, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm dropping a lot of four-letter ones already. It's early in the podcast. My bad, everyone. We'll keep it clean out here. All you kiddos, keep your earmuffs on. Always a great day to be great i will check myself and be better anyway texans took down the jaguars 13 to 6 houston covering as a seven point dog under 43 and a half cash here so similar i think to the giants Dwayne, like okay we got brandon cooks out here who didn't do much here but we know we're getting in the future but it's a damian pierce show and hey hand up i did not think that damian pierce was existing as this elite awesome amazing nfl running back the first couple weeks of the year okay yeah he has been damn all right dude we freaking get it rb9 rb5 and he's probably gonna have another top 10 finish this week his 4.8 yards per carry 16th among 47 running backs oh it's yards per carry who cares that's more of an offensive stat you're right he's sixth in yards after contact per attempt and he's tied for third with javante freaking williams and missed tackles force per attempt Dwayne, the dude looks special I know everything about it from Florida, but come on. This is still a fourth-round pick in Houston making this work. Just shout-out to Damian Pierce. I don't have a question. The dude's just crushing it. Yeah, I mean, 84% of the rushing attempts. Like, he's been he's been at that 80% mark. And the thing is, like, the Texans, Lovey Smith at the helm, you know, they're staying true to the running game even when they're – even in games where they're trailing. You know, now this week it was close or they were leading, um, you know, this game stayed pretty close the whole time between them and the Jaguars. Um, but looking at Pierce, yeah, it's just all about the efficiency for him. He did get a little bit of passing down work for the first time this season. He saw 20% of the long down and distance snaps um, today. So, and there, and this isn't something where there were just like, you know, two snaps like that. There were 10. And so he got two Rex Burkhead got eight. I know a lot of people will just be like, Oh, that's no big deal. Well, that's his first time. Like he hasn't been touching the field on long down a distance or two minute offense up until this point, he was very good in that uh, role at Florida. In fact, like that's kind of what we liked him for. Like uh, I was thinking, okay, like this is a guy that's got the passing chops. So maybe there's a path to a little bit more as we move forward. We'll see, but it's nice to see him carve out a little bit of work. Um, it, the main thing is the Texans staying committed to, to running the ball, even if they're getting their wheels shot off. Um, that's what's led to seasons in the past where Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, some of these other guys, even though, you know, the game scripts could get out of hand, like they would still be able to come through because the coaching staff would stay committed. And in Houston, I think the way they're looking at it is like, what other options do we have? Like we have Brandon cooks, like we don't really have this explosive passing offense. So why not just anyway, keep running the ball with Damian Pierce. And that seems to be what they're going to do. Um, and they've targeted him two weeks in a row. So he was second on the team in targets today at 22% target share targets per route run 38%. He was out there with a 50% route participation. So that 20 little 20%, like it's just enough to like get you around that 50% mark, which is, you know, it's not huge, but we'll take every little bit we can whenever you're playing in a slow offense, that's also going to trail a lot. Also, shout out to the Texans. They've been pretty competitive this year, Dwayne, all things considered, relative to expectations. It was pretty easy after week one. Even though they tied the Colts, it was like you guys punted from midfield in overtime with 
30 seconds left. What are you doing there? But man, after that, you know, one score losses to the Broncos, to the Bears. They kept the Chargers game a little more competitive down the end uh, than we were expecting. And here they are beating the Jacksonville Jaguars, who were basically everyone's favorite team this time two weeks ago. Dwayne, you know, it was all Urban Meyer's fault with Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> was it Urban Meyer's fault that Trevor Lawrence underthrew that Hail Mary by a good 30 yards today? What the hell was that? You're telling me the most generational prospect since Andrew Luck looks like he had Andrew Luck's arm like post-freaking shoulder surgery? That was terrible, man. That reminded me of the days where they had to take Andrew Luck out of the game and put Jacoby Brissett in because Andrew's body was barely even holding on at that point. He couldn't throw the ball 50 yards downfield. So, yeah, man, I saw Trevor Lawrence play earlier in the year, and it was a hell of a lot better than what we've seen over these last two weeks, man. PFF single lowest graded passer in week four. I had not checked numbers for week five but it is not going to be pretty at least he didn't take any sacks in this one but still did have the two picks we had someone in the uh in the comments shouting out that yes you know top top number three overall pick Derek Stingley did get the game winner and yeah man Marvin Jones ended up getting over 100 yards in this one which was surprising because just when we think we know something about this uh, little sport here called the NFL and fantasy football Dwayne we know nothing because Christian Kirk, one catch, 11 yards. Zay Jones, only three catches and 12 yards. At least Zay Jones had the eight targets. But, man, after those first three weeks of the year, I thought we had Christian Kirk. I thought we had a weekly, you know, basically upside wide receiver, two and full PPR scoring. Now, that's tougher to be with. And with Zay Jones, honestly, eating more than the Christian Kirk, you can argue they're actually probably closer than we thought. And then we still have guys like Marvin Jones and Evan Ingram uh, doing more. So, I'll say this. It's disappointing we don't have a more clearly defined passing game pecking order. The good news is, even in a game where the Jaguars scored six points and, again, looked out of source for most of the afternoon, Lawrence did throw for 286 yards. There were some complete duds last year that killed everything involved, but at a minimum, my expectations for this Jaguars offense are lower than they were a couple weeks ago, which is sad. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's... It's probably not like, you know, they're somewhere in between like the two versions of the team that we've seen. Um, you know, they're probably not going to be as bad as to where they're going to lose the teams like the Texans all the time. And then we can't also expect them to come out and be as competitive as they were early in the season. Um, this the thing with Christian Kirk is like, I, I still think he's fine. Like if you're treating him, he's still in the wide receiver two range. I mean, people are just going to have bad games. Like it happens, you know, I mean, it happens there. It happens to even the best, very best, you know, receivers in fantasy, unless your name's Cooper cup, then it never <laughs> happens to you. Right. If you're Cooper cup, you're basically like an every down running back. Um, but we talked about this in the preseason that this was probably going to be a fairly evenly distributed offense. We didn't know if we would be able to pin down every week. What, who the, you know, single player that would, you know, benefit the most. It might be two guys each week. And that's kind of what you saw. And that's what we've seen over the season. You know, today it was Marvin Jones. A couple of weeks ago, it was Zay Jones. Christian Kirk's obviously been really involved. You know, for the most part, we've had two games where Evan Ingram has kind of cropped up. This was one again today. Evan Ingram had a 23% target share. You know, he's a guy that's been out there over 80% of the routes, every almost every single game. So he's always going to be in that, you know, striking distance like to show up with a low-end tight end one performance which is really what he did today um so the running backs you know are what's really interesting ian so what were your thoughts on etn and j-rob today 
it was great to see this sort of usage in a game that didn't so just feature that super positive game script. Because the first th- three weeks of the year, man, like we just saw the Jaguars. I mean, the Washington game was a little bit, uh, you know, back and forth, I guess. But those two beatdowns they had was just like absolute best case, most positive game script possible for James Robinson. And when you do look at this season now in terms of weeks one, four, and five compared to weeks two and three for Robinson, like ETN starting to build up his sample, man. And unfortunately, we're not really getting that. We haven't gotten a touchdown yet for ETN, so we're not seeing him put together any super useful performances. But in this game, man, 114 total yards, and he continues to look really good out there, Dwayne. Like, that's the other thing. As much as running backs are all about the eye test and all that, we still do want explosive players that can catch the football, and we all saw ETN's drop in week one, but he's been really effective receiving normally. And honestly, rushing, man, like, pick a stat, pick any stat for these running backs, and really, ETN has been better than James Robinson this year. Yards per carry, ETN's at 4.9, Robinson's at 4.1. More yards after contact for ETN, more missed tackles. I mean, the yards per route run isn't even close, so hey, it's one of those things where I never treated James Robinson like this top 15. We need to start him. Maybe for that... uh, the one game against Houston, I think, where uh, this was the game against Houston. This would have been the game. <laughs> no, this, to like, well, you and I were actually texting before the game on a on a on a start set, uh, and it was ETN versus uh, I can't Joshua Palmer or something. And you had moved ETN, and I was, I was like, "Yeah, we're good." I was like, "It's probably a J Rob game, you know, because <laughs> we're going to have Jacksonville leading, and he's going to get seventy percent of the work, and then they get a close game script." And so that's for me. This is the really nice thing with ETN. Um, they weren't getting blown out in this game. Um, it was competitive. They got behind in the game, but you know it wasn't ever. It wasn't like it was twenty to nothing, right? Yeah. And he was still very involved. Uh, the snaps were closer: fifty-four percent to ETN, forty-one percent to J. Rob, and then you got the route participation almost to sixty percent now for ETN. He was at a fifty-seven percent today. They split the carries evenly: forty-three percent each. So he's, each of them had ten rushing attempts. Um, you already mentioned like what the efficiency looked like on those. ETN was able to do a little bit more today. J. Rob's looked really good though. Like I, he can have a down week, and I can still feel. I think you can still feel good about you know Robinson and what he's looked like as a you know rusher this season. But the primary thing being that it was still all ETN on the two minute offense and long down. And distance work. So we nailed the cop. We nailed the cop months ago, man. James Robinson and Jamal Williams are like the same person. The Lions have been scoring more <laughs> with more goal line opportunities. Exactly. And so we'll see. Like uh, th- this is two positive. You know, I guess it's really th- honestly, it's three positive utilization data points. Like nothing overwhelming, but like just a slow, nice trend going the right way for ETN. We just need some touchdowns, man. Like, can we get? Let's get a touchdown for ETN. He did have eleven percent target share for you know today. You mentioned the yards per route run; it's been really nice on the season. And it's average depth of target is down the field. It's a, it was a two point four today. So those are the things we're looking for, right? We want the route participation. We want the receivers or the running backs that are getting down the field because they have much better chance to be like the first read and a route progression instead of like the third or fourth and just a check down. And that had been my concern, like with ETN. I was like, just you know, I wasn't unless they were designing a, a play for him, like a screen or, or a bubble, something like that, I wasn't seeing him get in, involved as much down the field. Saw so a couple of times earlier in the season. He actually had a nice out route, like I think in week one, where he ended up dropping the ball. But like the route was really good. Like he was against a cornerback, I believe. It might have been a safety. But we just need the big plays and the touchdowns to come through for ETN. Um, but things are definitely positive. They're, they're, they're trending positively. I would call him a high-end RB3 right now. How about you, Ian? 
I think that's fair. And that's one thing that we've maintained with this is I still think you can't buy lower on Travis Etienne because guys, if anything happens to James Robinson or something happens to Travis Etienne, the other guy is seemingly going to take over this entire backfield with all due respect to Jermichael Hasty and the two snaps per game they have to give him. So that's the thing with these evenly split two RB committees with two guys that we've seen the offense be willing to really turn the backfield over to. And you know, when my office lights go off when I'm mid talking about that, that's when you really know it's uh, legit there, Dwayne. <laughs> So with that in mind, I uh, had someone asking in the comments about if we did have any sell low or buy, um, sell low, buy high, whatever the hell I'm trying to say here. I do have <laughs> one low, here. sell high. <laughs> yeah, there we go. I have one here for you, Dwayne. The Vikings took down the Bears, 29-22. Bears, shout out, covered though, eight and a half points there. The over did cash at 44. Dalvin Cook here, found the end zone twice. Could have, should have, would have found the end zone three times. He got tackled out the goal line on another try. Kirk Cousins had to be a dick and get his QB sneak touchdown on the next play. But anyway, great game from Dalvin Cook. Dalvin's back, man. Looks explosive out there. He wasn't listed on the injury report this week with the shoulder issue. Here's my thing, Dwayne. You you look at the utilization here. Dalvin Cook, 57% snaps. Madison, 43%. Madison eating into the work a little bit. That's not the end of the world. We still had 18 carries, but the two targets for me, Dwayne, Dalvin Cook is not even coming close to catching the ball this year like he was in the past. I mean, if you look at it, he only has 11 targets right now this year. That goes out over 17 games to 37. 37 targets a season. His career low is 49. That took 11 games to get there. So I don't know, man. I feel like Dalvin Cook in this offense, led by Kevin O'Connell and the Rams, and if you go back and look at when Sean McVay and Kevin O'Connell got to L.A. since then, 31st in targets to running backs. Like they, okay, we had the Todd Gurley years. That was fun. It's not a heavy piece of the offense to consistently involve these running backs. And we're seeing that with Justin Jefferson, KJ Osborne, Irv Smith, and Adam Thielen regularly being featured ahead of Adam Thielen. We know Dalvin Cook has a shoulder issue. It's already flared up this year, Dwayne. Is Dalvin Cook someone to sell high on, thinking that he's now more so of a borderline RB1, low-end RB1, and go give him to someone that wants to still treat him like top five, top six running back, Dalvin Cook. And as you stress, my friend, sell high. Not not medium, not kind of high. You guys sell really high. But if someone really still thinks this is, again, 2019, 2020 Dalvin Cook, that's where I'm willing to sell. Yeah, I, mean, I think if you can sell really high, I mean, but I still think it's a good offense, and I don't, I don't know that like this target share thing is gonna stick. But I never expected like Cook to be like a fifteen percent guy. Like I thought he'd be between eight, had him projected like between eight and ten percent target share. So he's kind of like right on the nose of where I thought he would be. Um, you know, I think he's been really unlucky, honestly, the first few games. Like last week, he was about to go, you know, bonkers. Um, or two weeks ago before the shoulder injury. And then last week it like just came, it just worked out, you know, where Matt Madison happened to come in the game, get the touchdown. And there were some things that held him back. So like, it's like, we could easily be talking about Dalvin cook, like as a top six running back, you know, right now on the season. So I, I think it's fine to sell high, but to your point, like you have to sell high, like you've got to get a lot for him. Um, because even though he isn't quite as involved in the passing game as maybe what some people want, like he's still very involved. Um, it is a little bit, you know, worrisome, you know, the fact that these splits are closer with Madison, 57% to 43% on the snaps today, but still 61% of the rushing attempts to Dalvin Cook, 29% to Alexander Madison. Um, Cook was kind of like my favorite smash, like running back for the week, like of the big names, right? There's guys that we push up the board from, you know, lower ranks, but Cook was the one, like just things all lined up perfectly for him today. It looked like the game script was going to be good. You know, you had a good matchup and his guy where the utilization had been there. Um, and he just really came through in a big way. 
Another guy came through in a big way. Justin Jefferson caught 12 of 13 targets, 154 yards. Didn't have a touchdown. Almost had one earlier. They actually ruled it a touchdown originally. Not so fast. Just short. Dalvin Cook took it into the end zone. Next play. Madison almost had a touchdown as well. They decided to give a pop pass to Jalen Rager instead. So good for them. Also, shout out Kirk Cousins before we move on. The dude started the game, I think, 17 for 17. Absolutely dealing to start this one. And that got the Vikings their big lead. But shout out to Justin Fields for really doing his best to get them back in it. This is where, Dwayne, in this season, not saying that everyone here listening to us aren't great football fans, but you start to see the people that watched Justin Fields in the first two weeks, and they said, yeah, this guy sucks at football, and that's what I'm going to every time I'm in a conversation about Justin Fields. Because why would you, a scholar, waste your time watching a lot of these Bears games this year? I get that. You got grass to touch, things to do, whatever. Whatever, that's fine. But Justin Fields, man, over these past two weeks, First three weeks of the season, he averaged 6.6 yards per attempt, 58.1 adjusted completion rate, only 297 total yards, two touchdowns, four picks. Over the last two weeks, man, yeah, counting numbers aren't great. It's only 328 passing yards, but no picks, 8.9 yards per attempt, 74.4% adjusted completion rate. I mean, those are meaningful bumps, man. And I'll just say this, like the eye test, at least in that second half kind of comeback, we started seeing the Bears going like he was dealing. We have Darnell Mooney going out there every single week now, at least for two weeks in a row, I should say. Uh, awesome downfield catches. Today, he went freaking OBJ on him and had a sick one downfield. Cole Komet was actually doing a few things. And the biggest thing for Justin Fields, the whole thing, we didn't care about him passing. We wanted him to run, Dwayne, and 47 rushing yards here that don't even include the 52-yard rushing touchdown he had that got nullified. That honestly, man, like it was only because they were also playing in Minnesota. But the way he was cutting back, man, like I want that side-by-side, that Mike Vick walk-off in overtime uh, back from like 04 or whatever when he just went nuts against them, uh, still playing for the Falcons. So could Justin Fields, Dwayne, let's remember last year we wrote off Justin Fields after a rough first stretch and he actually started giving us some of the upside towards the end of the year. Could we maybe be seeing that from a young quarterback getting into his system or am I a freaking Buckeye Homer and I need to shut the hell up about <laughs> Justin Fields and admit that's not going to happen. No, I think, you know, the points on fields are fine. Like, um, you know, yes, you are a Buckeye Homer, but that's okay. Fair. I think, you know, you're watching, you're seeing what's going on and we know that, you know, a quarterback's legs like that's just the cheat code if they can run and that was our stance on justin fields coming into the season um one of the main things being is that the bears just really weren't using him that way he had 11 percent of the design rushing attempts today you know so i mean like the best tight the best the best quarterbacks are at like 25 and 30 percent so the bears are still not completely using him like in the way we want them to but he still when you add the scrambles in he ended up with eight for 47 so you know, if it's a guy that can do that, like it can always be viable. The big issue with the Bears is just the fact that they just don't run enough plays, man. They only ran 50 today. Like we're talking like 2021 Seattle bad. <laughs> um, and so like we need somehow for this offensive volume to pick up. And then there's just the fact that he just doesn't have at least doesn't appear right now that there's enough weaponry like to to really help float Justin Fields. Right. You know, because like he seems like right now he has to do everything on his own um, and, and there's not you know, anyone to really help bail him out. Like, it's not like we're in a situation where he gets to throw a Tyreek Hill, you know, and, and Jalen Waddle. like uh, Darnell Mooney's a nice player, but I think when a defense can really focus on Darnell Mooney, like I, he's a guy that they can take away. At least that's what we've seen so far. But to your point, like there's always outs for a guy with his kind of talent. The light bulb can eventually come on. Like it is a good trend that we're seeing so far, you know, with Justin Fields. 
Shout out old man Vilas Jones finding the end zone on a little pop pass from nine yards out. Dave Montgomery did return, missed that last game with an ankle and knee injury. 72% snaps, 12 carries, and four targets for Montgomery. Khalil Herbert right back into that pure backup role, just 28% snaps and four carries. Uh, Kind of sucks, man, especially like, you know, when I mentioned before, like the Aaron Jones versus A.J. Dillon, like, okay, I understand they're playing different roles. You know, different types of rush attempts are going to have higher, lower success rates and I get it. Like Jones going off off edge is going to be probably have, you know, that higher yards per carry than Dylan having to face these stack boxes all the time. But this year, man, yards per carry Herbert 5.9, David Montgomery, just 3.8 yards after contact is on Herbert's side as well. Again, Montgomery is, is good. I just think Herbert gives them such a more explosive element. Unfortunately with this usage, we can only trust Montgomery moving forward, get him right back into that low end borderline RB two category. Dwayne, did we see him at least have all the pass down work? Because it looks like it was that way, at least on the target standpoint. Uh, 100% of the two-minute offense, which we're talking about the Bears, two-minute offense. Like they, they, <laughs> they use the two-minute offense nine times a day. That that probably, is, that probably I would have to go look, that probably is more than they've used it all season. <laughs> so, uh, But he had 100% of that. Now, where Khalil Herbert's work really came from is he split the long down and distance work, right? So remember, that is um second third or fourth down and or sorry third or fourth down and over three yards to go um situations where we know across the last three years nfl pretty much passes all the time in that scenario and that's how i create those cuts so half of the passing down work technically went to khalil herbert like in the long down and distance stuff so that that's that's where he came out and gave montgomery a breather it's not the best snaps to be on the field because a lot of times like you're not getting to get into a route because it's it's man coverage and there's a blitz coming. Yeah. So maybe they think Khalil Herbert's a little bit better pass blocker. And Khalil Herbert did well today, 76.4 pass blocking grade. Uh, David Montgomery at 24.5. So that could that's something for us to keep an eye on, potentially opens up a door. But traditionally, Montgomery's not been bad, you know, as a pass blocker. He may have just had a – he honestly might have just been having a bad game and they might have just decided like at some point, like get Herbert out there and let him block. A lot of times hey, real quick before we move yeah. on, go ahead and hit your point. I want to hit one more point on the Vikings, just a quick point before we move on from this game. With the pass blocking, like there are a lot of times where I think that's part of the assignment. And they need to know what they're doing. So even if you know, if, yeah. if they go out on a route and they were supposed to block a guy like that, might actually that there are times where yes, PFF, we don't know every single you know scheme and play that they're trying to do, but we're trying to do our best because that's one of the things that pisses me off when people have to you know completely come out of PFF. It's like yeah, if you can find you know the company 100% better than us at every single thing that's fine but don't just compare us against the imaginary thing in your mind of a stat that doesn't exist because we're trying to get there we're on the same side everyone uh but it could just be a matter of Montgomery had four or five true pass blocking snaps and he messed up like one of them and maybe a lot of sack and that was extreme enough in a small sample size to really downgrade that uh passing grade yeah and so just quick quickly back to the Vikings um just a note just keep an eye on Irv Smith got up to a 71% route participate participation today. Back, so he had really baby. been stuck. He had been stuck down in that 50% range. And we were just like, man, you can't use him. So this has been the first week where we've seen that. So could be an opportunity for Irv Smith. We'll obviously be monitoring, monitoring this as we go, but we know some of you play in really deep leagues where like, you got to make a move on something like this. If Irv Smith was released, you can't wait for the next data point. Like you got to do it now. So it's a speculative pickup. You know, if you've got a place to stash him. 
he had a really good block on one of Dalvin's goal line runs. And I think O'Connell or one of their coaches on the sideline was just going hype with him about it. So, Johnny Munt had like a great block early on. I thought Mark Schlereth was about to have a freaking heart attack. <laughs> you know, anytime, you know, you know, anytime you listen to stink, you know, it's going to be all about the run block. Got to get the run game going. Doesn't matter if you're leading trailing. Like he's like, I'm sure Mike Rabel and all these coaches, when they meet with him in the production meetings, they, this is their kind of dude, man, just going to run the ball any down. Doesn't matter. You know, that's the way he came up with the Broncos, you know, with Terrell Davis, but yeah, Johnny Munt, like, you know, took on a block and then, like, shed to destroy, like, the next guy. And so, <laughs> old Johnny Munt still hanging around again. Oh, man. Good for you, Johnny. All right. Patriots took down the Lions <laughs> 29 to nothing. Jared Goff and company. You know, I was calling the most entertaining team in football, Dwayne, and then the number one scoring offense in the NFL couldn't get a single point on the board. And Foxborough did have two key injuries, a lot of key injuries on the Patriots side of the ball, two new ones that we now have to worry about in this game. Obviously, Bailey Zappi was under center. And, you know, because of that, we did only see, and just the game script in general, I mean, only 21 total pass attempts in this one. So good job by Bailey, you know, back to back performances that I think exceeded our expectations. But the true star these days in New England is turning into Ramondre Stevenson because we got Ty Montgomery on IR, James White retired, Kevin, uh, Kevin Harris, JJ Taylor on practice squad again. Five or six things needed to go perfectly right for Ramondre Stevenson to get this role. And boy, howdy, Dwayne, they have gone right because now Damon Harris out with the hamstring. Pierre Strong was a healthy scratch. I don't know if that shoulder issue he had has anything to do with this, but whether he's in the doghouse, whether he's just not being used this year, it's more of a redshirt season, whatever it is, he has been out of the picture. This is Ramondre Stevenson three down workload season. 89% of the snaps, 25 carries and two targets. Again, they didn't have another active running back behind Stevenson. So I'm not saying he's going to be at 90% of the snaps every week, but Dwayne, it's possible at this point. And fair play to the guy. He looked freaking great out there today. Well, I mean, everybody's hurt. So like if like right now, like Ramondre is the every down back. We already knew it was already trending that way anyway. Like he was our his utilization was already, you know, in that high end RB2, low end RB1 range over the last two games. Now we have the situation with the hamstring, um, you know, for Damian Harris. And uh, yeah, as long as this is happening, I think you just got to treat Ramondre is going to be in our top 10 probably every week until you have another Patriot, you know, running back that, you know, returns to the lineup. Like you mentioned with Montgomery, like he could be, you know, he was on the IR. He's eligible to return next week. I don't know how, I don't know how he's progressing though. Right. Like I have no clue, like if he's healthy or not, but as soon as you see him, he's the scary one for Stevenson. Cause even over these last couple of games, like we know that he's going to have to share the workload rushing and Damian Harris, I have to say, he's one of these guys that gets hurt and knocked out of games all the time. And next week he's like, he's back and he's a hundred percent. Yeah. You know, like we see this, it's like, I don't know if there's another running back that gets hurt as much knocked out of games. And then the next week he's just back out there. Like it's <laughs> happened multiple times with Damian Harris. So we'll have to keep an eye on it. But Montgomery like does scare me with Stevenson, like because he was getting all the two minute offense early on all the long down and distance. And it kind of just like banished Stevenson, you know, to being like just the guy kind of backing up Damian Harris a little bit. I think Stevenson, potentially like could just pass hair could just pass Harris and be the leading rusher. Right. And Montgomery could come back and take some of the pass work. Hopefully they just let the dude do his thing. Like he's playing really well in both facets of the game. Um, so hopefully the Patriots will just ride Stevenson, but you know, we have no clue. We have no clue what the Patriots are going to do with their running backs. Once they have these guys all healthy. 
Don't sleep on Ty Montgomery coming off the IR or Damian Williams down there in Atlanta uh, also has a chance to come off. And just, again, once we think we know what some of these multi-back committees look like when their starters out, you can't just assume that when the guys get healthy, they're going to continue to be out of the picture. Also, Dwayne, what a performance from the one, the only. Jacoby Myers, seven catches, 111 yards, and a touchdown. He did it. Jacoby Myers scores a touchdown. I think it had to happen in a week where Kyle Pitts wasn't playing. That's just my, you know, super conspiracy glasses on there for a second. But Jacoby Myers, Dwayne, we talked about it all summer. Look at the potential for this guy if he can keep getting targets like he always has and if he can just find the end zone every now and again. So, yeah, this wasn't a fantastic performance by the Patriots offense. We haven't seen them go off all year. But, hey, man, like this was a game where we did have Tyquan Thornton back in the picture. Devontae Parker was okay. Like they have injuries everywhere, but their wide receiver room this year was actually more healthy than it has been all year for this game. And look what Jacoby did. He took it over because that's what he does. Yeah, man. Sorry. I had to call Zoe. I was, I, I put it on mute. Like kids are off on Monday. Like she is up there losing her mind playing some video game. She's I don't hyped. know if anybody, I don't know if anybody could hear her. Like I just hear her scream and I was like, Oh my goodness. She heard uh, us talking she, about Jacoby. It's all good. Yeah. She got excited. Yeah. Jacoby, man, look, he's the best receiver on the Patriots. Like we have to talk about this. Like every time he's healthy, like, I mean, come on guys. Like it's not Devonte Parker, like Devonte Parker's, you know, he shows flashes, but like Jacoby has been the clear player to have on your squad like if you wanted to take any of the pass catchers from the patriots um 38 target share today 56 percent of the air yards came through with a touchdown you know all, that's we've that's if, if jacoby myers starts scoring touchdowns like watch out like so but eight targets like you mentioned seven receptions 111 yards not what can you not like about jacoby i will say with hunter uh henry today we thought this might be the case john U. smith was out and so you did see a huge route participation 88 percent, and he had a 24 percent target share wasn't a very robust passing game today from the Patriots, so that didn't really turn into very much. But if we do get another week, now Johnny was doubtful all this week. He didn't practice, like I think uh, Wednesday, Thursday. He might have got a limited in Thursday, and he was limited Friday, so it seemed like he might have been progressing. But when we originally heard about the Johnny injury last week, it was like, oh, he might be out a couple of games. So Except the Patriots, we never, yeah, we never know like what kind of games they're playing with this limited practice crap. Like it could literally be a guy that. I think if it just basically meets the requirement, like the guy was on the field for like a snap during some portion, you know, of practice, like mark him down as limited, you know. Uh, but if he was out there for 50%, you know, fine, mark him down as limited. He was out there 99%, limited, wasn't out there 100%, just limited. So we don't really know what that means from the Patriots. Um, but if we get another week like that, Hunter Henry could be a guy that we could use in a pinch, especially if you get Mac Jones back. One quick note, Nelson Aguilar did suffer a hamstring injury, so they came in healthier than ever, unfortunately, now a little bit less than 100%. But, yes, more good news for Jacoby, just having one less body to feed in that passing game. Now on the Lions side of things, I'm not going to be too critical of Jared Goff. I didn't expect him to be a top-five fantasy quarterback all season long, Dwayne. Also, you know, had a banged-up version of Amon Ross St. Brown in there who wasn't playing his usual role. DJ Chark was out of the picture. And, oh, yeah, the first-round wide receiver they drafted. You know, we have no idea when he is going to be back. So it was awesome that Jared Goff did all that last week against Seattle with an even more banged-up offense. DeAndre Swift is out of the picture as well, going into Foxborough, facing his, you know, nemesis, Bill Belichick. Just couldn't get it done here. So the real concerning thing, because, again, with the Sun God, we heard before the game that he was going to be on a bit of a pitch count. So unfortunate that we didn't, you know, get a more usable day out of a Monra, but I would think that after this one, thinking fingers crossed, knocking on wood, he got through unscathed next week should be back more towards a full time role. 
the Jamal Williams usage, man, and we talked about after last week, he had the two touchdowns last week, but it was also a game that they were regularly in. So this isn't, I'm not freaking out like it was with the Najee Harris thing because this one is more expected. It also could be a little bit more blah-induced, but Dwayne, man, when I see Craig Reynolds leading the way in snaps easily, 48% snaps for Craig Reynolds, just 34% for Jamal Williams, and oh yeah, 90% for Justin Jackson. Man, it's certainly not ideal because we are just getting none of that DeAndre Swift uh, work, so Jamal's okay still. It's not, not a guy that you need to bench by any stretch of the imagination, but in games like this where the Lions are going to fall behind, it gets problematic. So in his five games now we without DeAndre Swift over the last two years, he's had 20 18, 19, 20, and 15 touches. So he's getting plenty of work. But as we saw today, vast majority of those are carries. And if you're not finding the end zone, it gets problematic in a hurry. So with this now, like firmly, like we were pretty sure after last week, Dwayne, that Jamal wasn't going to have anything close to that three down roll. But now we really know it's going to be game script dependent here without DeAndre Swift. I think we actually have a bye next week uh, for Detroit, so we don't have to worry about it too much. And then they got the Cowboys after that. But, you know, if they were playing next week, like Jamal Williams, probably more of just like a low-end RB2 with this. Yeah, well, really, I mean, uh, depending on what you think about the Lions offense, you know, after, you know, everybody was living on cloud nine and then, you know, looking what happened today, like he's really in the same group as James Robinson, um, a little bit better utilization than Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but on a worse offense, obviously, um, you know, put him in that range, you know, basically any of these guys that don't have passing down work that are game script dependent. Right. And and that's what he was. He got 60 percent of the rushing attempts. And today, though, like, I mean, he didn't get any of the passing downs long down a distance, 58 percent to Craig Reynolds, 42 uh, percent to Justin Jackson. So Justin Jackson wasn't out there that much. But when he was, it was taking some of the passing down work. So to your point, Jamal Williams out now, like no matter what, like whether you have DeAndre Swift healthy or not, like he's kind of the same thing. You know, I mean, he's just going to be the guy that's getting the short down and distance work, going to be a guy, you know, probably getting 45 to 60. You know, he'll get a little bit less of the rushing attempts, right, when DeAndre Swift is healthy would be my thought. Um, so he has a little bit more value right now with Swift out, but you need the offense to be performing. So, yeah, I think it's almost – if you'd like the Lions matchup, you can make him, you know, that low end RB2 for the week. If you don't like the Lions matchup, then really you're talking more of an RB3 kind of play, even if you're in a game without Swift. Saints took down the Seahawks 39 32, covering as five and a half point favorites over cash that just 45 and a half. Seahawks looking like the team that maybe we thought the Lions uh, were going to be, Dwayne, with the upstart offense and a defense that, yeah, is also going to give us more and more opportunities to rack up fantasy points. So, starting off on the Saints side of the ball, Alvin freaking Kamara has 194 yards and Zero touchdowns because Taysom Hills was put on this planet to just make us all misery, except Sean Payton. You know, Sean Payton loves that guy. Taysom Hill is awesome, though. He is so freaking good when he actually just gets to use like that, you know, alpha male jackhammer like the Saints uh, Twitter account put out that video from Dwight uh, Shoot a few years ago. But three touchdowns on the ground for Taysom Hill, 112 yards in. Oh, yeah, and he can pass 22 yards through the air to Adam Troutman. So on the season now, Dwayne, Taysom Hill is averaging 10.9 yards per carry. And, like, it's – it's kind of gimmicky and gadgety, but it's it's him just being in a single wing. It's not like it's these well-timed reverses. When he's under center, they know what's happening. It's Taysom Hill running the ball right up your freaking face nine times out of ten. The one time he doesn't, okay, he gets an open Troutman down the seam. The question, Dwayne, is 
in a game where they didn't have Jameis, where they didn't have Michael Thomas, Alave got hurt, Jarvis Landry wasn't in the picture, Alvin Kamara was you know just coming back first week from an injury. Do we think all this usage was something like at all predictable? Because I know the snaps aren't going to be there. I know the routes aren't going to be there. But when's, when have we ever seen a player like Taysom Hill really in fantasy? So I don't want to go chasing these four touchdown games or anything. But with Taysom Hill, man, we have a tight end that can legitimately get five carries per game with some other quirky usage, whether that's in the receiving or passing department, like maybe that is more valuable than dumpster diving for, you know, certain like Mo Alley Cox type guys where, you know, we're only kind of hoping for three to five targets anyway. Maybe we take the rush attempts when it happens to be someone that's being used as a pile driver near the goal line. Yeah, no, I think that's where you think about him. Like once you, once I think you get to the mid range tight end twos, I think Taysom Hills in play. Uh, like if you have him on your team and somebody's going nuts about him, like just get rid of him, like, you know, move him. If you think you can, I just, I don't see many people really going after Taysom Hill. I say this, you know, and I always go look at trade stuff. Like I'll go over to Yahoo and look at recent trades and, uh, cause people, you know, anytime you say sell high, the immediate response from like 57 people is you can't sell him high. And then I just sent a screenshot of all the sell highs back to him. Like, you know, you know, just deal with the facts people. Um, so with Taysom Hill, I don't know. You guys would have, you guys would have a better feel for your league than I would. Uh, but if I could move his ass, I would do it in a heartbeat. Like if somebody's going crazy over it, but I think, you know, the advice you just gave is very good. Once you get to that mid range, even maybe after you just get past the high end tight end twos, you know, which is basically a rotating door between low end tight end one and high end tight end twos. Um, and some some weeks the group's bigger or smaller, depending on matchups. I mean, maybe you do just lean into Taysom Hill, especially if we get another game where we know Jameis isn't playing. Um, because to me, it looks like pretty much any time they get down close to scoring, you know, it's like they want Taysom Hill in the game right now. But man, this really sucks for Alvin Kamara. Like this development, like Kamara came through today and was, it was fine, you know, because of the receptions of the receiving yards, really 95 receiving yards. Um, but man, like the touchdown upside, like we thought Mark Ingram used to be a problem, man, like Taysom Hill. This is, this is a real bummer on it. It's kind of a bummer really for the whole offense besides Taysom Hill. <sighs> yeah. It, it always has been Dwayne. This isn't I the know, first time we've seen this yeah. happening. Oh my gosh. It's, you know, today was huge. Like four touchdowns off the board to this dude. Now the pass, like whatever, like to your point, play action. Everybody knows Taysom Hill's running, except no, he's not on this one play. And it's just a wide open seam route to Troutman. But the, the, the rushing stuff, man, that's killer. Like I, we have to, we have to downgrade Alvin Kamara, even though he came out and had this nice game, like 73% of the snaps, 69% route participation. That's the main thing that keeps Kamara like really looking good. Like that's elite. You know, he's almost to that 70% mark. When you get over 65%, you're really good. You have 48% of the rushing attempts, all the two minute offense, almost all the long down and distance. And, you know, 63% of the short down and distance work, um, you know, Taysom Hill really is, is the guy that got the rest of that. Like Mark Ingram didn't get any of that today. It was all Taysom Hill or Alvin Kamara, but it's just enough. Like, man, like you just like one of those touchdowns to go to Kamara. Like, we, you know, we're not greedy. We don't, we don't need them to all go to Kamara, but man, for three to go to Taysom Hill, you know, that just, that's tough. I mean, Taysom Hill, man, I just call every one of his touchdowns a vulture. Like, even when he goes 60 yards and breaks. Well, like, no, that's God, right. One like, of those was a long one. So yeah, no, it's, I can't really, it's like, why do you have to do that one, Taysom? Dude, he's so good, too. Like, that's the thing. He right? is good. Ah, fantasy football. Like, Taysom Hill would be the most popular player in the league if fantasy football just didn't exist, you know? I guess he's very, he's very he's just, yeah, he's just, just a hard guy to get down, man. He's just a strong dude. 
strong dude. Got, got, got that Mormon blood in him. All right. Also, <laughs> final thing here. Chris Olave unfortunately did suffer a concussion in this one. Caught the touchdown. I I was shocked, man. I, I had the sheesh written down. It was file confirmed because the ball popped out when he hit the ground. He got slung to the ground, but they gave him a touchdown. So great. I'm down for that new rule. If you get concussed, it just counts as a touchdown. Down for that. Unfortunately, we do need to keep in mind if Olave could be missing time here. He is 11th in the league in receiving yards right now. Not air yards, guys. Man. Real life receiving yards. It's been such a great start to the season for a lot 38% targets per route run today before the injury. You know, I mean, that's why we use targets per route run. So when a guy does get hurt, we don't have to say before the injury. 25% target share, but it was on a on a 38% clip, man. Like this dude is going freaking nuts. So keep an eye on the situation because we got Alave with the concussion, Michael Thomas with the foot. I think there was a chef Thomas report. Thomas is supposed to be back. Yeah, next supposed week. Supposed to be back. Jarvis Landry with the ankle. I was kind of surprised he couldn't play in the first place. And also our guy, Deontay Hardy, formerly known as Deontay Harris, he suffered a foot injury as well. So deeper, deeper leagues out there. If these guys stay out, Jake One Smith, Marquez Calloway, you're obviously not feeling good about it. But you know what? Guys like Josh Reynolds, we didn't feel good about a couple weeks until a couple weeks ago either. On the other side of the ball, yeah, we just got started off with the injury, unfortunately. Rashad Penny diagnosed with a fractured tibia. Sounds like it could be, you know, of the season-ending variety. I'm not exactly – tibia is your leg, right? Yeah, yeah, lower Shit. leg. Not yeah, good. fibula and your tibia, yeah. That's my doctor opinion. Not good. Uh, yeah, Kenneth Walker, time to step up. We'll see uh, what kind of role he gets Swain. This is the interesting part here because Travis Homer is on IR with the rib injury. And going through last week when we were talking in that Lions game, the really good part we like to see was the fact that it was really Walker and Penny. DJ Dallas wasn't being used at all. Now I'm looking at the snaps for this one. We have Walker at 53%, Penny at 31%, and DJ Dallas at 22%. So Walker is going to be one of those guys that's going to be on the cover of every waiver wire article, even though I'm assuming in, you know, it's going to be like, I, I, I'm not sure what his uh, own percentage is in ESPN, but if he's owned in it was, 70. Uh, like 55% last week. Okay. Um, so I, I don't know. Like I, I had him as my number one buy last week, him, him and Rashad White. Yeah. So hopefully you got him last week. But like th this was the guy you were supposed to target over Tyler Algier and over Mike. Mm -hmm. It was Kenneth Walker and Rashad White. And this is why. I mean, this is why. Not that we want this for Penny. It sucks, man. Penny was playing really well, playing amazing. at a very, very high level. Go ahead. What? Yeah, saying I'm amazing. Like he's. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he like one of the top guys in the league. Like the stuff we care about, like rushing yards over expectation, uh, was way up there. If you were looking at him and missed tackles forced, way up there. Looking at him yards after contact, way up there. Explosive rush rate, so carries a ten plus yard, ten plus yards. He was way up there. Um, but guess what? Kenneth Walker came in, looked really good. This is a guy that we know uh, can break off big runs. You know, he's a guy that you and I talked a lot about, you know, in the pre-draft stuff and then post-draft. Um, you know, a guy that we thought would eventually probably challenge Penny as good as he is anyway, you know, in the season. And yeah, like this is probably, if he is available, this is the waiver wire pickup of the season. Like, yeah. I don't think there will be a bigger one. Like, so you you go dump everything. You put every all your chips. You just have to push them in, like because you just don't get these opportunities if he is available to get a young, high second round draft pick, um, hyper explosive player playing in an offense that's outperforming, you know, out kicking the coverage, if you will, you know, from where we thought it would be. Geno's playing out of his mind. You got two receivers that can help you score points. You got a defense that can't do anything about it. He's not going to get a lot of the passing down work, uh, but like this guy has a chance to be like. Basically, this could be Damian Pierce on a way better offense. That, that's what you could be getting right here with Kenneth Walker. 
Um, the Seattle offense uh, compared to the Texans, it's just not close at this point anyway of the season. Like, I mean, if we were talking scales of one to 10, like the Texans are like a two, right? Right now, Seattle's definitely past five. They're like a six and a half, seven maybe right now on offense. And they're, they're actually like an eight. We're just afraid to kind of culminate, you know? Yeah, we, <laughs> right. They probably are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I, you get all your chips in the middle on Kenneth Walker uh, and buy high. If you've got somebody that's got them on their roster and they're just excited about having Kenneth Walker, this has kind of been what I've been saying on, you know, Brees Hall, even though, you know, he hadn't blown up yet. I was still saying like, you may have to buy high because somebody probably spent a fourth or a fifth round pick on Brees Hall, but that's okay. Like if you got to go spend what would cost you a third rounder now today to get Brees Hall, you do it. So you go do the same thing with Kenneth Walker right now. Like it's fine just because, you know, the, penny went down doesn't mean that the other manager in your league just is no way going to trade Kenneth Walker I would be willing to pay above you know maybe what you think is a good price in your head to get Kenneth Walker it's just it's hard to find these kind of players Ian you know that that check all the criteria we want he's not going to get the passing work that's the one thing but man everything else he checks and honestly he's looked good in the passing game so far this season like he leads all the backs on the team and targets per route run so it's not that he can't do it um, so, and we had seen Rashad Penny over the last two weeks, start picking up long down and distance, picked up a little bit of the two minute offense. So who's to say that Kenneth Walker doesn't get some of that in the coming weeks. And man, if he starts to pick up any of that, you're going to, wow, you're going to have like a, you're gonna have like a top eight, top 10 potential fantasy running back. They've designed some pass down stuff for him. And to your point, he looked fine handling it. And now without yep. Homer there too, I feel better about his chances of keeping DJ Dallas pretty much at bay. Maybe both in the run and pass down work. Like you said, Damian Pierce, it really, I think that's like his worst case scenario is having that Damian Pierce role, which would be great. Again, like that's going to be fine, especially. Yeah, Damian Pierce offense. on a better offense is fine. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe they say, yeah, DJ, you know, you go return your kicks. We'll call a random. I trade CEH straight up right now for Kenneth Walker. Like if I thought somebody thought that CEH was really like a top six back, like I would trade him straight up right now to go get Kenneth Walker. I'm like, not like Venmo. I'm like 10 bucks on the side too. Like, <laughs> not even tell the rest of the league or something there. But yeah, like I really do think Kenneth could fully take over. Like it's in his range of outcomes or he's going to be the lead early down bell cow in an offense that wants to give their bell cow plenty of usage either way. As Dwayne said, spend all that 88. fab if you had it. No, sorry. 88% of the snaps uh, after we had uh, Rashad Penny leave the game today. And so, and he got one out of three long down and distance snaps after that. So DJ Dallas got the other two. So again, he was out there a little bit in the long down and distance. He wasn't a complete zero. So we already see that the door is open. I get it. I was saying before, 55, 60% of leagues. I swear if I look in every single one I'm in, I'm not going to see him in any of those. So I'm not sure where these percentages are coming from. But if he is, go out there and get him. Another fabulous performance from Geno Smith, the one that the mainstream media keeps trying to keep down, but he keeps on keeping on. This season, Dwayne, Geno Smith has 10 touchdowns. The entire Denver Broncos organization has six. DK Metcalf had one today. Tyler Lockett had two today. Just continuing to prove that. Hey, man, I've even seen some people whispering, like, was Russell Wilson a product of the great wide receivers in Seattle? Funny how that's uh, being talked about, you know, versus the conversations we were having a near month ago when Metcalf and Lockett were just flying down draft boards. But, yeah, I would note that Metcalf, I mean, five catches, 88 yards, and a touchdown could have been so much bigger. He had another 25-yard touchdown that got nullified on a good holding call, but, you know, still had to go catch the pass in the end zone. 
them. And then later he did drop a straight up 15 yard touchdown over the middle before halftime. That was another hell of a throw from Geno Smith. So DK every week, wide receiver one and lock it. Hell man, they're getting back to the point where you just put both of them in there. So lock it upside wide receiver two, probably at this point, it's like nothing changed. Dwayne. We're back. Yeah. Yeah. We're back. Like, man, they look great. I mean, it's just, it, you, I've got, I had Tyler at a mid range wide receiver two last week. I'd move DK Metcalf into my top 12, probably keep them both there. I mean, you could make an argument that maybe Tyler needs to be pushed up to like that high end wide receiver, you know, two range. Um, but I mean, both of them look get, look great. Gino's doing his thing. Like, it's just, it's awesome, man. I, I love seeing the Seattle passing game, like really, really rolling. All right. I think that's pretty good for yeah, this one. It. Let's move on to the Jets and the Dolphins. Jets 40, Dolphins 17. Jets covered easily as three and a half point dogs overcashed at 46 and a half. So with the Jets, it's the Brees Hall takeover. It started last week. It continued in this week. But my goodness, man, the usage was there last week, and he's looked good throughout this year. Now five straight top 24 finishes in full PPR scoring, which is fantastic. But this really was his coming out party in terms of just looking like the freaking stud that so many hyped him up to be throughout this entire offseason. 100 receiving yards, 97 rushing yards, only one trip to the end zone just because the Jets got to be dicks about it, man. It should be legal binding a law that when your running back gets you down to the one yard line, unless it's fourth and goal, man, you give them one chance to get that ball in the end zone. They got you down there, especially if it's like a chunk play and they're not too tired, man. Give them one more chance. Unfortunately, the Jets on two different occasions had Brees Hall get them down to the one-yard line, and then Michael Carter got to be the one to punch the ball across. So again, 197 yards and a touchdown. You're thrilled. You are almost even more thrilled. But you know what? Beggars can't be choosers. Just a fantastic game from Brees Hall. And hey, man, we might not have to find out uh, exactly you know what the overall ceiling is of Zach Wilson and some of these wider series if Brees Hall keeps doing that. With that said, Hey, shout out to Zach Wilson. No picks, you know, pretty efficient. 14 for 21. Was able to hit Brees Hall on a, a wide open wheel, but, you know, hit him nonetheless. We've seen guys miss some throws. And, hey, 40 points for a Jets offense. That certainly benefited from playing some backup Dolphins quarterbacks. But the Jets don't get uh, too many weeks where they actually have a winning record. Dwayne score 40 points. So, J-E-T-S, man, throw them up. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm super excited about Brees Hall. Like, the utilization has just been, like, building, building, building. And, you know, we just signed, we, we knew the blow up game was coming. It was just based on just if he kept the usage that he had, which is basically what he did today. He upped things a little bit from what we had already seen. Um, but he is the, you know, it's, he's, he's still got Michael Carter, you know, there. That's still going to be a little bit of a factor. But I mean, 58% of the rushing attempts today to 30%, 69% of the snaps to 42%. They get the guys out there together on the field after the long run, he might've just been winded, right? You know, he was, he was trying to get in, like the guy was holding him by his leg <laughs> <laughs> and he, and he leapt, you know, he leapt forward and like, it was just like, you know, I don't know, like half a yard shy, you know, of getting the ball in for a touchdown, you know, on that play and Carter came in and then later in the game, they had Carter in as well, but like, they're kind of interchangeable. Like both guys are really good in both facets of the game. So I don't think Carter's ever going to completely go away. But again, like if he's out there for 70% of the snaps, uh, and if you look at him, you know, the targets that he's been getting in like that's now he only had two today, but he obviously one of them was, you know, the, the, you know, the wheel route down the sideline with no one covering him, you know, they went for 79 yards. If one of your receptions is that like that comes in really handy and he got over, a, he got to hundred yards receiving today, but Brees Hall, man, like, where are you ranking him now? Like I had already moved him to mid range RB two Cause I'd moved them in phases. 
I don't know if I'm just going to high end RB two or if I'm just going to go ahead and put him in, you know, the low end RB one conversation. No, I was already feeling frisky last week. I had him RB 12 overall. I was sold. Had it last yeah. week. Sold. Still am. Great day to be great. Now, Dwayne, we got to touch on a subject here. That's less uh, easy to get through. Yeah. Corey Davis leads these wide receivers in receiving yards. And we have now played five games of football. Like how many times does this have to happen until we're like, Hey, Corey Davis exists, man. I know some of them has come from busted coverage and stuff, but really you start looking even more specifically at just the Zach Wilson starts over the last two years and still limited amount of games, you know, with even Zach, Corey Davis and Elijah Moore. Obviously they've only had two together with Garrett Wilson also in that mix, but at a minimum, I don't think that Corey Davis is someone that, you know, we're going out of our way for, but he matters in this offense. And just because of how much he matters, it's going to be really hard for Garrett or Elijah to ever get, you know, really too far inside that top 30. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a problem. I would just keep I mean, I'm not rostering Corey Davis unless it's a really deep league. Like and if I've got Elijah Moore or Garrett Wilson, I'm much happier to have those two guys. Um, but like it is it complicates things, especially in a game like this. Where really, you know, if you look at it today, like you had the Jets run looks like fifty nine plays that Zach Wilson was in for anyway. So I mean the routes, only forty five routes today, or sorry, uh passing routes today. 24 for Corey Davis, 21 for Elijah Moore, 19 for Garrett Wilson. So, I mean, a lot of this is game script. Like they were leading the Dolphins. The Dolphins didn't have even their backup quarterback. You know, they had to go to Skylar Thompson. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you. Like it's a pain in the butt. Um, but like Garrett Wilson, like we've just seen it too many times this season already, man. It's like, oh man, I'm gonna get worried about the situation. I'm just not gonna like the talented player. I think Garrett Wilson's shown enough that I feel good. Like they all had the same target share today. They were all at 17%. Elijah Moore, you just can't use right now, like, but you don't want to cut him. Um, and Corey Davis, like, you don't want to use him. You probably don't want him on your roster, but he's a pain in the ass. Hey, all due respect to former number five overall pick Corey Davis. I will say, Dwayne, I do think it's a little bit of a learning opportunity where we did see Corey Davis and Curtis Samuel in Washington, two guys that changed teams, two guys that really had to deal with injuries for most of last year. Davis had a little bit better stretch. Obviously, Curtis was pretty much a zero. And there were guys on really big contracts that I know we started to get more in on Curtis down the stretch, but they matter, man. Like when you do have a guy getting 30 plus million per year, I think Davis might have been more around 27 but pretty significant contract for a player that has at least at one point or another. And I would say, you know, Corey Davis's last year in Tennessee, he was legitimately good alongside AJ Brown. He had like 950 yards or something like that. Us fancy people get annoyed because it seemed like every single time, you know, we get the breakout game from Corey Davis against the Patriots a couple of times. And then it's like, you start him and then he duds, or he has the two touchdown game in the playoffs. And then you're not even playing fantasy and, and look, to like, take advantage of it. We're fine with Corey Davis, but look, he's never earned targets at a, yeah. You know, even a wide receiver two level, like he's been more of a low end wide receiver three. Now he's sharing with two other guys. So like, fine, if you if you get him on a roster where like things were centered around him, like where Amari Cooper is, you know, in Cleveland, like it'd be something we would like more. But when he's got to compete with Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson, like it's just it's not it's about more so, this. Yeah, it's not it's about more so we could have been lower. It's more so we could have been lower on them. Sorry, that's all I was trying yeah, to say. Yeah, and it's not about disrespecting Corey Davis's name, but like, nah. sorry, I don't think he's that great. I think he's fine. Yeah, he was a he was a former top five pick that's never really earned targets like a top five pick. In fact, if you compare him to all picks that have gone in the top ten back to two thousand ten, like it looks really bad <laughs> like because that list is like a bunch of superheroes. And then there's Corey Davis, Mike Williams, you know, but he's come around a little bit, you know, this last season. So that'd be the, like the closest one to Corey Davis.
Dwayne, Dwayne is speaking with venom right now. I'll keep I'll keep this moving before Dwayne brings uh, Corey's children into this man. All right. No, if, I'm not. No, I'm, I'm not venom. I'm just. I'm like. By the time a guy gets to this point in his career, like I think we pretty much know what he is. It's all good. I'm just Drake and Joshing around here. All right. On the Miami Dolphins side of things, Teddy Bridgewater one single pass before he got ruled out with a concussion slash elbow. So I, you know, I'm all here for the NFL being more into safety. And yeah, we cert we see some guys like Chris Olave when you could just see him get knocked out on that replay. Like, no, he should not be coming back into the game. This is weird though, Dwayne. This was the update per CBS. Teddy Bridgewater passed concussion test, but won't return on Sunday because of concussion protocol. No, like, this it, is just the Dolphins trying to look good. What the hell? Like this, <laughs> this is the Dolphins trying to act like they've made changes. That's why they had to add the elbow. You know, so, it's kind of like when Tua got hurt. Oh, it's his back. Yeah. Come I'm just on, like, man. so you're telling me there's a difference between concussion tests and concussion protocols? Like, isn't that a test you failed then if you pass a <laughs> test, but you didn't pass the protocol? So I just found that weird. Again, yeah, keep him out of the game. That's that's fine. We did get to see the Skylar Thompson experience in the meantime. Dude was not afraid of making a single throw during the preseason. And Dwayne, you were actually the first one to tip me off on Skylar Thompson because the awesome Matt Waldman, who we talked ball with here about a month ago, he was all over Skylar Thompson before the draft, man. So I didn't get a chance to dig into this one. Yeah, it was just, you know, kind of the red zone game I had on a little bit. But any thoughts that you remember, you know, why Matt was so high on Skylar Thompson in the first place, Dwayne? Um, no, I mean, he just talked about, you know, Skylar's, you know, ability, like just to really make, not just make all the throws, but just the way, you know, that he handled, you know, the pocket pressure, all those sort of things. A lot of it comes back to the way he's processing the game, which for people that are like sitting down and charting every play, those are things that like we may not pick up on, right? Cause you got to like really be looking at it all. But I know that Matt, like, despite the fact that he still ended up being a seventh round pick, you know, remained, you know, pretty high on him. Obviously he downgraded him because the draft capital, you know, hurt. But, you know, his his feelings were that this was a really good landing spot for Skylar Thompson, you know, because we had questions about Tua. You know, yeah, Teddy was a good backup, but he felt like the ceiling of Skylar, you know, potentially, you know, would give him an opportunity at some point, you know, to really earn more snaps if he ever got his chance. And he had that chance today. It didn't like go great or anything, but it wasn't bad either, you know, for Skylar Thompson today. Similar to Bailey Zappi and Lambo last week, like just being thrust into that kind of situation when you're not even the starter, like you had to come off the bench into your first NFL game. And honestly, you could say Zappi even played a little bit better, but yeah, I'm not going to take too many, you know, big takeaways off this one performance from Skylar Thompson. But yeah, that's why the entire passing game basically tanked in this one. We also did have Tyreek Hill suffer a foot injury, although PFT reports that while he is in a bill, while he is in a boot, it's not believed to be overly serious. So you were talking about uh, who was the running back to when you said always gets hurt, but then oh yeah, uh, Damian Harris. Yeah. Tyreek Hill has got that. Tyreek Hill, Julio Jones, these guys over the years, man, they limp off the field five times a game, and then you're like, oh my god, are they still in there? Like, is he back? And it's like, oh yeah, there he is scoring a touchdown. I guess he's uh, I guess he's okay now. But the real star of the day for Miami was Raheem Mostert. I, I did not see this coming Dwayne where it wasn't only most I that was probably more because of blow uh blowout game script but it's a takeover like this isn't a 1a 1b it's not a one yeah, this is not a two. merger this is not an acquisition this is takeover. a takeover let's get economical <laughs> and, and look um you know the Dolphins gave Chase Edmonds his chances it started in week one Edmonds was really the lead back period kind of filed it down a little bit the next week, gave him some opportunities. He got lucky, scored a couple of touchdowns. The next week he scores a touchdown, drops a touchdown receiving. 
And then just, you know, like, look, his offensive grade overall today for PFF was a 30.1. His receiving grade was a 24.3. Chase, if you can't catch the damn ball, like, how are you getting on the field, bro? Like, it's not happening. Miles Gaskin basically clipped him today. Like, once that happened with Edmonds, they just, Miles Gaskin, you know, was coming out and playing. So now you have Miles Gaskin challenging for the number two spot. Um, and Gaskin is a player that we have seen be pretty good, you know, have odd weeks, man. So, I mean, Miles Gaskin needs to be on your radar and really deep leagues. You know, if you guys talk about you're in the leagues where you're laughing at us, we mentioned Kenneth Walker and you're like, no way, never available. I play in a 16 team league where, you know, we've got, uh, you know, 47 players on our team. Maybe Miles Gaskin's available. <laughs> so we're trying to throw you a little bone here. But yes, Raheem Mostert was a complete takeover. 73% of the rushing attempts, 69% of the snaps, 100% of the two-minute offense today went to Raheem Mostert. Wasn't a huge sample, only four snaps. Long down and distance, he took six out of 10, so 60%. That's pretty much an every down back, folks. So if this offense can get back on track to being what we saw earlier, you know, in the first couple of weeks of the season, they get the quarterback room back to, to normal, get it straightened out. This could be a situation where, dude, Mostert, I know he's old, but, like, has been a very explosive player through his career. Um, man, like, I would, for right now, let's just call him a low-end RB2. But technically, like, if you just wanted to use a utilization day, if you think it's sticking, and, and again, we got to remember, this is a coaching staff that has shown us they might be willing to kind of use this hot-hand approach. We're not for sure, so that that also kind of factors into it. But if you're a believer – and you believe that, wow, no, this is what we're getting every week. Like, if it sticks, like, he's going to be, like, right there on the borderline of the RB1 conversation if this offense is rolling. Um, I mean, 19.2 fantasy points today for Mostert. Um, so, yeah, very explosive playmaker as long as he can stay stay healthy. He does have that, and it's a bad example because the guy I'm going to bring up is also currently hurt right now, but he's got that <laughs> Cordero Patterson in him where even though mm -hmm. he's 30, he doesn't have you know the biggest workload on him because, I mean, this dude has never had more than 150 carries in a season. You can say, well, Ian, that's because he gets hurt and he can't handle 150 carries in a season, but just truly regular season, only 365 touches to his name. He's seemed healthy, explosive, fast when he's been out there. So for the time being, he does need to be treated as the RB2 that his utilization says he is. Obviously feeling very good if you got him on the waiver wire. Sorry about you, Chase Evans managers. Yeah, could have been an even bigger day for Mostert. Almost had a second touchdown on a swing pass. Got tackled just short of the goal line. And we're seeing this more and more often now, Dwayne. The tight, I think it's a great play call because, like, why – why I know uh, Philip Rivers for years, he would never QB sneak. A lot of coaches don't have their quarterbacks QB sneak because they're too valuable. They don't want them just in the middle of a rugby mosh pit there, unless you're Jalen Hurts and you just want to score every touchdown that's ever you know been available to you. But when Moster got them down to the one yard line and they get it back to him, no, Durham Smythe motioned over the tight end, <laughs> took the snap, and bullied his way into the end zone. I believe you uh, even tweeted out, Dwayne, that life was a lot easier before we had to worry about <laughs> tight ends uh, vulturing our running backs inside the goal line. So I get it. Like, it, I think it's, again, it's a great strategy. But the problem is, like, it doesn't even necessitate – necessitate – how the hell you say that word? It's Taysom Hill. Necessitate. Like, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Like, this isn't Mike Desicki. This isn't, you know, your Mark. I've seen Mark Andrews do this a few times, but this could be any random ass tight end on your team. Just whoever's probably the biggest dude is going to get a chance to get the snap and just plow into the end zone. So, not something we can really, I think, actively factor into our fantasy, uh, you know process right now with the exception of obviously what's going on with Taysom Hill and in New Orleans but I will say just these tight ends getting the QB sneaks yeah. I wouldn't be surprised in the next five to ten years if that actually is more normal than these quarterbacks getting it man who's who's safer doing the quarterback sneak you know 100 
95 pound Tua or Durham freaking Smythe. Probably Durham freaking yeah. Smythe. The only thing is there is eventually a tell. I mean, like, you know, the guy's going to run. I don't know. Get right behind, but whatever. Like, it's fine. It's like yeah. a fullback. Um, so Raheem Mostert, he is available uh, somehow in 32% of Yahoo leagues. And I did just, I was able to just look up uh, Kenneth Walker too, just to give a quick, I know he's not available like in the leagues we look at, Ian. Right. Uh, but only rostered in 42% of Yahoo League somehow. Great day to be great, some might say. Buccaneers took down the Falcons 21-15. to Falcons came back, as they have been doing throughout the year, got that cover at 10 points. But, yeah, this game really wasn't close for the heavy majority of action. The under did cash at 46-and-a-half. The Falcons should have had a chance to go down there and win this game. The worst roughing the passer call of the year and maybe ever, man, on Tom Brady. I know he's the GOAT, but – Bro, like, just just come on, NFL. If you guys saw it, you know what I'm talking about. We don't need to completely bash the you know dead horse, but come on. Either way, Dwayne, back-to-back weeks now with the Buccaneers where they've had basically their full complement of receivers. Julio Jones was out this week, but they've had Mike Evans, Chris Goblin, and Russell Gage, you know, the big three that we thought they were going to be in the earlier parts of the season. And lo and behold, Tom Brady's passing volume goes back up. Back-to-back week with 52 pass attempts. And look, last week, yeah, they had to keep up with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. This week, they just didn't care. It's the Tom Brady show, man. They were up, again, 13 nothing at halftime. They scored another eight in the third quarter, and the man still finished with 52 pass attempts. So, yeah, we do have different parties getting involved, and I thought it was interesting that over the last two weeks, Leonard Fournette and Rashad White combined for 27 targets. Like Mike Evans and Chris Goblin only at 34. So I still think that Brady is going to have this more or less approach where when he's got a bunch of options out there that they all think are reasonable enough, you know, even though he has 52 pass attempts where it, it makes sense that we're only seeing Mike Evans have eight targets. Uh, Chris Goblin only had six in this one. So I don't think that the wide receivers are necessarily going to have these outrageous target totals on a week to week basis, but especially just in Tom Brady's, you know, for his personal fantasy stock, man, this is awesome. And I think it puts them right back at QB seven the rest of the way. Yeah. Despite leading, they still drop back to pass 70%. So this is essentially what we've seen out of the Buccaneers for the two previous seasons. Um, and it looks like we might be back on that path after these last two data points that we have. So yeah, I agree. He's that mid range QB one again, you know, we had to bump him down. Like, you know, uh, he was honestly like a high end QB two for like a week or two there where you're just basically hoping, man, God, throw a touchdown so I can get like 15 points out of you. Kind of like what we feel about Aaron Rodgers. You know, <laughs> um, we were feeling the same way about Tom Brady, but now, yeah, I think we're in a better spot. Um, Evans and Godwin, you know, these guys also did not play, you know, like, so Godwin was only out there for 54%, you know, uh, route participation today, but like they were like, you know, I know the Falcons made it close at the end, like again, but like there was a good stretch where it's like the bucks just had the game in hand. Yeah. So it's kind of like they were just managing Chris Godwin, uh, his targets per route run were okay. 22%, but only a 13% target share. So I, I'm with you. I think, you know, it's they're, they're, he's going to continue to spread it out, but you're still going to get your big games, you know, from Mike Evans, from Chris Godwin, this game script, the way it worked out today, the bucks, even though they were throwing a lot of it ended being ended up being stuff underneath, right. To Leonard Fournette. I mean, Fournette had 10 targets and 10 catches today for 83 yards and a touchdown. So Lenny uh, led the team with a 21% target share uh, in week five. 
I love how Lenny just embraces some fantasy football from time to time on his Twitter. He said it. He said the touchdowns were going to come. He apologized to his fantasy managers. And look <laughs> at that Lombardi Lenny giving you guys a big day. Now, it wasn't incredible usage uh, for the second straight weeks. I mean, but hey, if we get 14 carries and 10 targets, who cares what the snaps say? But Rashad White, man, 40% snaps, five carries and four targets. Again, I was right there with you uh, last week. I know we're not doing our waiver wire show together anymore. But yeah, come on. Anyone out there taking out zero over someone like Rashad White miss me with that i will say both goblin and only Evan. rostered in 34 percent of yahoo league still <sighs> so rashad white like folks if you guys are listening to this like rashad white like he could have stand look he's basically he's basically got the tony pollard role yeah already if someone dropped tony pollard in your league what would you do you would immediately rush to the waiver wire and you would do everything you could to get tony pollard that's the way that you should be treating Rashad White. We've got two games in a row now where he's at a 40% snap rate. Um, yes, Lenny's still the lead back. And this actually, maybe it's fine for Fournette. Like, do you, he doesn't, you know, we've seen Fournette over the last, you know, what we even saw last year. Like, even those games where he's in that 65, 70% range, like of getting the rushing attempts, as long as he's still out there in the passing downs, which he was, 79% along down a distance, 100% of the two-minute offense today um, all went to Fournette. As long as he's still got those roles, like he's going to be fine because the Buccaneers offense is good, right? Now, what was interesting is the second week in a row, Rashad White got the short down and distance work. Uh, he had 71%. Fournette had 29%. Now, Fournette did get a touchdown from down and close on the ground. Uh, so Fournette, you know, still looks fine, but Rashad White could have some standalone value, especially in the bye weeks. And if something happens to Fournette, like Rashad White will actually go, he will go to the moon. You think like, I know we've told you, hey, Ken Walk, Kenneth Walker, get all your chips in the middle. But if Leonard Fournette goes down, like Rashad White yeah. is probably going to have the passing down role too. Like he's probably going to have all of it. Whereas with Kenneth Walker, he's going to have to earn those passing down snaps. So who knows? We could see a Gio Bernard or someone like that and get involved. But the main point of the story is do not let Rashad White continue to sit on your waiver wire if he happens to be there. I think you could argue that Rashad White is actually the best handcuff in fantasy right now. Like he is right one-on-one now. handcuff because, again, 27 targets to Fournette and Rashad White over these past two weeks. Like, can you imagine if one running back – that's like prime Alvin Kamara, like at the beginning of the season when you think he's never going to, like, not score 30 fantasy points again type of usage. And guys like Tony Pollard, we don't have the same offense of just the Cowboys right now. We aren't convinced they're going to be the same sort of top five unit the Buccaneers look like. Alexander Madison probably not having the same target share and a similar point about the offense. Kareem Hunt, we do have to worry about Dearness Johnson, and I'll take Tom Brady over over Jacoby Brissett. So, yeah, Rashad White. I don't care if you're in a four-man league, if you're in a six-man league, if you're in one of those leagues where you send us your screenshots just to show off how good your team is and you don't even have, like, a real question, I don't care. Find a way to get Rashad White on the squad. I think that's good for Tampa Bay. Over in the Atlanta uh, quick side. Quick note, Kate yeah. did come in and play 88% route participation. Ooh. So, Kyle Rudolph was active, but it was not Rudolph. So, if we get another game, hopefully Cameron Brate's back. He had a concussion last game. Um, but if he's not, like we've seen, we saw Cameron, we saw Cameron Braid actually involved as well, like in the passing game. So Kate Otten, rookie, younger player, if you're paying it, playing in a deep league and you're needing something, I haven't even looked at the bye weeks, but the bye weeks are here. Like they're going to, yeah, they're yeah, about yeah. to start like just I, with bye weeks coming. I'll just throw some of these, I'll just tack some of these names on at the end, but just a name to monitor. Actually, a few sheeshes here on Tampa Bay. Both Evans and Chris Goblin got down to the one-yard line after respective, you know, decent gains. And then Fournette ended up getting both of his touchdowns after those situations. And also Scotty Miller going to be popping up on all those, you know, air yard kind of uh, – 
just near misses uh, this week because one deep ball, Brady just overthrew him, which, you know, it's Scotty Miller out there. I've, I've made fun of his catch radius enough this year. Second one, he did actually make the catch. He was out of bounds, though. So, yeah, Dwayne, you mentioned before about how Brady, how dire things were getting a couple of weeks ago. And you take away any quarterback's top three wide receivers, and I think we're going to be moving them down the ranks. But it was legitimately a couple of weeks ago, like Tom Brady versus Marcus Mariota. And I think you can make a decent argument for Marcus Mariota <laughs> at that point in time. Uh, those days have certainly passed us yeah. by. But in this one, man, it's just – I thought this passing game the first couple of weeks, I thought we had Drake London. I was hopeful that Kyle Pitts would come on the up and up as well, but I was really hopeful we would at least have Drake London. And okay, like you said, man, every even the best players in the NFL will have bad games. But, you know, Dwayne, I hear you say that, and then I look at your Twitter and I see some of the outrageous route usage that we have Arthur Smith giving our guy Drake London now, and then I just get sad, man. So not to bring down the mood of everyone here, but <laughs> go ahead and let them know what happened, Dwayne. Yeah, so if anyone in the chat knows, like, did Drake London get hurt, like, in the game? Did he miss some plays because of an injury? Um, you know, that's the only – and I didn't see anything really on Twitter, um, but only out there for 65% route participation after he had got up to 91% last week. So in a game where you don't have Kyle Pitts, now all of a sudden you're going to have Olamide Zacchaeus out there for more routes than Drake London. God, I'm praying like there was an injury or something to London – but yeah, and look, in spite of all that, London still gave you a 29% target share, only playing 65%. The, the of only the time plays. the only time we'll pray for injuries. <laughs> yeah, like come on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As in, hey, was it something, you know, make, you know, Arthur Smith, you know, not have him on the field other than just being deranged, you know, uh cuz I don't get it. Like I, I look, and Arthur Smith, man, here's what's funny. Like people are like, "Man, what do you hate? Do you like I just posted a picture of him and just said doofus, you know, just, you know, cause he just like frustrates me, man. Like, I'm like, you got these really good players and you won't put them on the field. He's not, Arthur Smith is not a bad, like schemer, like uses a lot of play action, uses motion, does a lot of design kind of cool stuff to shake things up. But like, God, like you could be the best, like, and this guy like finally unlocked Cordero Patterson. Yep. Like, so we it. know like the dude, like he's not a dummy, but, like when it comes to just like, man, like get the best groceries, get the best ingredients in the damn, you know, dish freaking Drake London, Kyle Pitts. Like those, those are your entrees, man. Those are not celery. Like, come on, like, let's get them out there and let's keep them out there. Like that's what frustrates me with Arthur Smith. Cause I feel like even though they don't run enough plays, they want to be a run heavy offense. They use play action enough. Like that, even if you're, you know, not quite getting to run as many routes for a player like Drake London. I mean, today, man, Drake London was only out there for 24 routes. You know, Olamide to Zacchaeus had 30, but like things can balance out because if you look at it, like a play action target over the last three years is worth 20%, basically 18%, 20%, let's call it 20% more, right, than a non-play action target. That means every time you get five targets, you pick up an extra target, like it's worth six. Every five targets is worth six if you're getting a lot of play action targets. So there are ways for guys like Drake London to overcome, but man, they can't be off the field. Like, that's just insane to only be out there for 65% of the routes. I don't get, unless he was hurt, like, what would be going through your mind that you're like, we got to get Drake London off the field is going to give us a better chance to win? Like, well, after what he's done, like, the dude's demanding targets, he's getting open, like, he's doing everything he can do as a rookie. Um, Like, I don't get it. He looks incredible out there. Every facet of the game, like, just probably... 
I will say relative to what I thought of the receiver, like coming into this year, I think he's been the most impressive rookie wide receiver that I've seen, like just in my expect, because he does everything, man. And I see the why people, I know Dwayne, we were Garrett Wilson overall wide receiver, one guys in the class. I'm not saying I'm off that take, but just London yards after the catch, just being that big body beast and still getting separation, man. Just as someone that doesn't watch a ton of college football, couldn't have been more impressed with the guy. And yeah, I just, there's no world where he doesn't make your passing game better to have him out there. So alas, just going to have to severely depress our uh, expectations for this Falcons passing game. And I know some people are calling for Desmond Ritter out there and Hey, can't get worse, I guess, you know, than what we're kind of seeing here with these guys not able to get the consistency going. But I'm also not going to assume that going to the third-round rookie quarterback is going to make things better. Dwayne, we did see this, you know, much talked about backfield. Not produce uh, many fantasy points. Tyler Algier did lead the way with 59% snaps. He had 13 carries. No targets, though. We did have Avery Williams and Caleb Huntley both heavily involved. Avery Williams actually had a very nice touchdown uh, run out there, had a cool little spin move. And they, I looked it up. The NFL Combine says Avery Williams is 5'8", 187. I think that's a lie. This dude looks like he's like 5'5", five, five, <laughs> a buck 60 out there. But make it dismiss. So, uh, you know, why the hell not? Don't hate the player, hate the game. Regardless, man. I don't want anything to do with this because Damian Williams could be back next week. And look, okay, so Tyler Algier, it looks like that he is going to be the type of guy where the Falcons can get up by three touchdowns like that would kind of be his game format. I don't really see that happening anytime soon, Dwayne. Yeah, I mean, they're going to stay committed to the run anyway. Like, they're showing us that. Like, Arthur Smith is staying very true to his Tennessee roots, even though he doesn't have a Derrick Henry. Uh, like newsflash, Arthur Smith, again, let's get back to this talent thing. Like I, you, you know, you don't actually have to run the ball for play action to work. Like <laughs> you could not run the ball all game. Ian, you know what happens when the, you, you have your keys, right. And you have your gap assignment. Like when you think it's a run, you have to take a step to be in the right place. Every play. doesn't, doesn't matter if the team has only ran the ball five times. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm away from it. I'm off of it. Avery Williams did have that nice play. I saw the play you're talking about. He had 100% of the two-minute offense. But then you got to have Caleb Huntley involved as well. So uh, like the overall snap split, 60%, 59% to Tyler Algier, 26% to Avery Williams, 24% to Caleb Huntley, 48% of the rushing attempts to Tyler Algier, 31% to Huntley. So it's really you've got – it's got, if, like if you're going to a New England setup, Tyler Algier was kind of like – your poor man's Damian Harris. Caleb Huntley was your poor man's Ramondre before all the <laughs> shakeup. And then Avery Williams was your, as Ian would say, Ty Montgomery. Montgomery. Hey, that's all right. I'm back on the Ty Mont train. I slandered him a lot over the years because I didn't understand how a player as mid as Ty Montgomery was like breaking the jersey rules that they had out there. But they're <laughs> done with the jersey rules, so it is what it is. I can uh, rest in peace. All right, Titans took down the Commanders 21-17, to 17, covering as a one-point favorite. The under cash at 43. Carson Wentz had him inside the 10 there at the end. Uh, <laughs> he ended up throwing the game. Like I, I don't want to say game-losing pick. You know, it did end the game. Game-ending pick. There we go. And the two previous plays, like he was trying to. Just, just not exactly the best uh, way to leave that game for Carson Wentz but we'll talk more about him in a minute. Do I think the only thing we I mean, look there's Derrick Henry. He's got three straight games over 130 yards and a touchdown every single week. He is healthy enough to be out there. We're going to continue to fire him up as an upside RB one, whether you think he's the RB four or the RB eight. 
There's a reason why we never get start sick questions with Derrick Henry. Everyone knows that. Anyone else in this offense that we really care about, even Robert Woods, yeah, team high eight targets. It's still an offense that we've seen this time and time again, man. The Titans do not want to have to throw the ball more than 20 or 25 times. So unless you're an A.J. Brown who can consistently demand the most of those and then proceed to make the most out of them, you're just going to have, you know, some very sporadic fantasy production. So honestly, man, other than Henry, I'd almost argue the next best bet to kind of have on your roster would be Dontrell Hilliard as a prospective handcuff down the road because – I, where are you going to rank Robert Woods more weeks than that? Like 45, 46? Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hill, Hilliard is a very good, um, you know, and, and Hassan Haskins would get involved, like if something happened to Derrick Henry. But I think Hilliard's role would grow quite a bit. So I think he would probably get at least half the work plus all the passing down work, um, which could be, it could be a decent role. And he's just been very good. Like he's shown to be very explosive. And so today, you know, Derrick Henry caught two passes again. 30 yards so like you guys don't look now like Derrick Henry like <laughs> being involved in the passing game and the and the touchdown pass that Dontrell Hilliard caught guess how they set that up it was a fake to the other side of the field like they were throwing to Derrick Henry and then they came back to the other side on the backdoor screen to Dontrell Hilliard so they're they're not only using Henry in the passing game now they've used him enough that teams are respecting it that it's a decoy so I think those things are good for Henry in the passing game. And I agree. Like Robert Woods is fine. Like if you've got it, he's probably not, he's not going to be cuttable like in most leagues. Like, and he could still, he is a player that's still coming off of an injury that he had late last season, you know, yeah. mid last season. He had it in the, about the middle of last season. So, I mean, there's a chance like he still, you know, comes through, but yeah, it's pretty much the same assessment we had in fantasy drafts, you know, this, this off season, which was like, Hey, probably more just a wide receiver for tough to get excited about a guy at his age coming off the injury and a low volume passing attack still feel the same. Get better. Traylon Burks on the Washington side of things, not Terry McLaurin, not Curtis Samuel really popping off with uh, Jahan Dotson sideline. It was former third round pick Diami Brown, two catches, 105 yards and two touchdowns on four targets doing his best Gabriel Davis impression out there. Like Gabriel Davis, man, one of them was a sick little one handed catch out there. I mean, Diami making some plays go off King, but yeah, come on guys. This is not the sort of situation we're chasing. We know it's Curtis and hopefully Terry there in Washington more weeks than not but hey we do have Carson once there it is an experience there's a lot of bad and all that you know no one's denying that at the end of the day though as I'm trying to stall and pull up a stat I'm trying to look for I do believe Carson Wentz still is the number one quarterback in the NFL not in a stat that you want like you care about for like Washington Commanders football fans but in total dropbacks there we go he still has a league high 241 dropbacks through five weeks we even got kind of the pregame presser info Washington isn't looking to make a change near like in this near future, which is kind of weird to me. It sounds, sounds like a suspicious thing to say Dwayne for a team allegedly <laughs> yeah. not planning on making a, a switch soon. But as long as Carson Wentz is out there again, I think we know we have uh, with his passing game, at least from a volume perspective, talk about the running back committee though, because even though this was the first game, Brian Robinson back an awesome story, obviously coming back from the carjack and great to see him miss his, uh, you know, minimal amount of time back out there on the field. And we knew that he was going to be somewhat limited in this, but Unfortunately, Dwayne, this is this is a nightmare. This is what Seattle was doing when everyone was healthy. We have two early down running backs, and if the game gets out of hand, they're both going to be on the bench in favor for one J.D. McKissick. Yeah, so, I mean, Antonio Gibson uh, today was only out there for 32% of the snaps, only 19% of the rushing attempts. Didn't get any of the long down and distance or two-minute work, so 63% of the rushing attempts went to Brian Robinson, 
and all of the passing down work went to JD McKissick. <laughs> so it was, uh, yeah. I mean, Antonio Gibson was basically left in the middle, like the calorie, the, the calorie, calorie less touches <laughs> all went to Antonio Gibson. You don't get to be out there when it's uh, time to catch a ball, Antonio, even though you're really good at that. And guess what? You're not going to get to touch the ball on the ground. Like, I don't know what he was doing. Like, just like he's an invisible man, like when he was on the field, <laughs> um, wasn't really getting much at all. You can't use him. He's not even an RB3. Like, he's an RB4. He's an low-end RB4. Maybe, maybe honestly, just call him an RB5 stash. Like, that's really all he is. Brian Robinson moves into the RB3 conversation because it looks like he's probably going to see 60, you know, 70%, you know, of the rushing attempts. So he kind of joins that other. He's going to join that group of guys, Ian, that we talk about. Not necessarily involved in the passing game, but going to get enough of the rushing attempts. Like, if he scores a touchdown on a given week, he's going to give you an RB2 performance. You know, McKissick's still McKissick's and, you know, in a PPR league and you get the commanders trailing all the time. He gave you 8.7, you know, PPR points. I will say with Wentz, like, man, I hope they don't change just because I know there are highs and lows, but there are highs. Like he threw for 359 yards today and two touchdowns. I know NFL wise may not have looked great, but like, dude, he's, he's still supporting Curtis Samuel. Yeah. Diami Brown went off only a 9% target share and Diami wasn't even out there, man. 34% route participation. I thought I would go look at this and be like, okay, great. Diami was out there, took over the Jahan Dotson role. No, Cam Sims did. Cam Sims was out there. 62%. They kind of, well, they split it. They split the Jahan Dotson role, but Diami came up with the two big touchdowns. Um, Curtis Samuel though, again, uh, leading the team in target share again, 23% today wasn't a huge day, but 12.2 points in a PPR and like Curtis Samuel, like just keeps on coming through. So if they change quarterbacks, there's a chance, right? That it's just a complete, you know, mess. So that's the one thing I like about with Wentz is we also know that when he's in the game, they've basically shown us there's just going to be a pass first operation and it could be good. It could be bad but they're going to throw the ball a lot. And so it's, you know, we get the Lloyd Christmas. So you're saying there's a chance. I don't know what happens when they make that switch. My concern would be they would try to recraft the offense. And if they take the volume down, not throwing the ball as much, that's going to hurt all these receivers. That Girl Scout comes sauntering up the up the driveway, Dwayne. They ask what Washington running back is going to lead the way in PPR points the rest of the year. I feel like for the good of my family, I would have to say J.D. McKissick. And it sucks. Yeah, I think you might be right. There's no injury, man. That's probably going to be the case. All right, final. It's just gross. Honestly, it's what you usually say. The answer to the Washington backfield is just no. No. Final 1 p.m. game here. I I hate when they only give us three, 4 p.m. games. Like, what what are you trying to prove here? Like, I just don't get it. But whatever. Chargers 30 beat the Browns, who only had 28 points. Some late game, uh, you know, Brandon Staley fourth down shenanigans that people really aren't going to talk about because the Browns end up missing a uh, late game field goal. But all that, and it's just, it's amazing to me, Dwayne. Any other area of life, you know, friends, job, you know, love life, whatever. Someone was just like, Hey, I have this, uh, you know, a bunch of historical information for you like this. I'm not saying you have to do this, but like, it's just some extra information. Would you like this? And any rational person would say yes. And then it's a football game. They're like, Trusting those analytics, man. So what, what's your other choice? Just completely shooting off the hip. Like, it's just, it's the assumption that the guy not trusting analytics is making like every single right decision out there. That just kills me. And it's the way the commentators continue to talk about it. Like, it's this foreign thing. And they'll talk about analytics being so weird. In the next sentence, they'll bring up some stat that isn't complicated enough for their mind to deem it to be analytics in the first place. So that's just my two cents on that situation. But back to the uh, topic at hand with the Chargers. Back to the lecture at hand. Back to the yeah, lecture at hand. There we go. I mean, look, I don't think there's too much to say here. Austin Eckler is doing freaking king shit back to back weeks. 36 points. 
<laughs> my goodness, man. And this was just good to see because, like, yeah, we've had some of the goal line he broke problems. the long runs today. That was 71 good. yards, man. Got down inside the five. Unfortunately, couldn't get that tutty, but he got one later. So awesome game for him on the ground. I mean, the Browns, I mean, I'm sorry, the Chargers spooked the Browns so bad with this run game. They had to trade for Deion Jones, you know, before they actually got back to uh, their homes afterwards. So Eckler, yeah, amazing. You didn't worry about it. Why would you worry about it? Guys continuing to do great things. And Mike Williams, again, I love Hayden Winks. Uh, just entire, I, I love Hayden Winks in general, but I love what he says about Mike Williams, where, you know, you don't deserve Mike Williams at his highs if you're not, you know, playing him and starting him at his lows. And more and more, Dwayne, like Mike Williams isn't a boomer bus wide receiver. He's a boomer, boomer, boomer bus wide receiver. Like this dude is going off more times than not. And yeah, he'll dud. But guess what? He goes off a lot, too, which is honestly, I think at the end of the day, if we wanted to have a conversation about do you want the guy scoring 20 versus 10 points or 15 every week could be a conversation to be had there. Let's talk about the wide receiver. But, but he's also point. busting less like, dude, like he's demanding targets like at a huge yep. rate. Now, you got Keenan Allen out, but I mean, today at a 41 percent target share. Like so this uh, what we're seeing is really more of the Mike Williams we saw early last year. Um, for the most part of this season, we yes, we did have one really bad dud from Mike Williams. But to your point, that's going to happen. Like at the rate he's demanding targets, he's just showing a different part of his game. You know, to be honest. Um, now, once Keenan comes back, we know he's going to demand you know looks as well. And then I think you're going to have a little bit more bust to the low end part of Mike Williams. But you know, you can still have the boom as well. So yeah, I mean, it's people are bitching about Mike Williams. Wow. Like I want to see their fantasy roster. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I would note this year, Austin Eckler on pace to catch 112 passes. Great year to be great. What did we see from these backup wide receivers and tight ends though, Dwayne? Cause Gerald Everett did get a midweek downgrade with the hamstring injury and he didn't have a final designation. So, I'm not so much worried about that, but we did see Donald Parham come back and play for the first time this season. On the other side of things, Joshua Palmer was dealing with a bit of an ankle injury. He did practice in full on Friday. He did miss a few snaps early, though, when he seemingly kind of tweaked it again, but he was back out there. What did the snaps for the other wide receivers and tight ends look like? Uh, Gerald Everett was the same, 65% route participation. Not what we normally want. But playing with a really good quarterback and Justin Herbert, you know, we just you kind of got to continue to give him a pass, you know, and and typically in these games where you haven't had Keenan Allen, he's been much more active, uh, only had a 9% target share today. So nothing really changed with him, but the injury could have been, you know, impacting him, obviously. Josh Palmer did regain the lead over DeAndre Carter, 88% route participation, which was tied with Mike Williams. So we go. he really is the wide receiver three um, still it was probably just the injury thing last week. Good to know. On the Cleveland side of things, Nick Chubb, man, he doesn't catch passes, and guess what? He does not care. Dude just keeps on keeping on. And when you look at it this year now, man, 141 yards, no touchdowns. 87 yards, three touchdowns. 113 yards, touchdown. 118 yards, touchdown. This week, 134 yards and two touchdowns. On pace for 2,016 rushing yards and 24 touchdowns. Do I think this will persist at that level probably not but man he doesn't need to he could, he could regress call for regression he'll regress and guess what he'll still probably be an rb1 because i will say Dwayne, his expected fantasy points like when you look at that throughout the week i think it's more so because there's like less we're not getting the crazy McCaffrey usage and dalvin and kamara and some of those things we talked about i think it's more so other guys are being dragged down but nick chubb and kareem hunt man they're actually seeing like more opportunity than usual i think a big part of that is jacoby Brissett. yeah we did see some downs like that interception at the end of the game 
100% inexcusable, not good. But hey, as someone that was slandering Jacoby a lot before the season started, not slandering, speaking my opinion, which he proved wrong for, you know, a good amount of the early portion of the year, he's still done a great job, like just enabling this offense to a good amount of points. So Chubb and Hunt, I think if you have them, great. I'd probably call him holds Kareem Hunt, especially again, because if God forbid something happens to Nick Chubb, even though we said Rashad White is the number one handcuff, Kareem Hunt might be right there behind him. So just real quickly, if any, you have any thoughts on this uh, Browns uh, run game, Dwayne, otherwise just hit us with, uh, you know, another great week from David Njoki, which we are loving on <laughs> numerous of our uh, teams that we drafted together throughout the summer. Yeah, not, nothing we have to hit, you know, on the backs. Um, but we are seeing Chubb finally get that year where they're staying so committed to the run. Again, like what we've seen with a, a player like Derrick Henry in the past, where even when the game scripts get wild, like the coach was committed enough, like above expectation versus the NFL average, that you can still come through with your touches. And that's what we're seeing with Nick Chubb. And look, he's the best pure rusher in the fan, in, in the NFL is Nick yeah. Chubb. Like there's just, it's hands down. He's the best right now. Um, so it's good to see him like doing this, you know, and it's also awesome because, you know, a lot of people in fantasy just faded him this year. Like I, I didn't get very much Nick Chubb either, but when I got him, it was in round four twice. And it's funny how those things work. Now I look back on like, damn, I got Nick Chubb in the fourth <laughs> round. <laughs> so uh, talent is uh, always gives you outs folks. That's what we say on the show. And Nick Chubb, like you can't forget how freaking talented that dude is. But David and Joku, you mentioned it in like just balling 87% route participation. He's been over 80% pretty much every week. Like this guy, I mean, I think after Dallas Goddard, like he's in the conversation. Like you talk about the top four or five guys, then you get Goddard like is really the next one, you know, cause he's got to share some of that stuff, but we know his talent profiles there. Like right now, that's really the range where Njoku's starting to settle in, you know, 19% target share today. Um, you know, I, I don't know. There's not very many tight ends. Like there's not, it's hard. You can't have him outside your top 10 anymore. I don't think David and Joku. So it's, it's nice to see it. We've known he's had the talent profile. We knew he had the draft capital. Hasn't necessarily been a great target earner. Did have one year before where he finished as the tight end nine when they used him on 79% route participation. And so that's kind of what we were drafting him off of this summer. Um, and knowing the fact that, you know, he did get his contract and it looks like that's all coming through for David and Joku. On to the afternoon slate. 49 I'm really glad. You're not going to say how glad you are that the Cowboys shed all that cap weight with Amari Cooper. I mean, you're not oh mentioning that this week. Dude, Cooper just had another <laughs> nasty route. Dude, 35% looked, target share today. He looks better than ever. Oh, do you see? Uh, my, uh, my my dad told me this. He uh, just occasionally like looks at my Twitter matters from afar, and apparently someone was interviewing Amari Cooper, and they asked him in the interview like how old he was, like as a joke about him being 22, like all the time on Twitter. <laughs> so I like to think I had something to do with Amari having to freaking get this ridiculous question. <laughs> Poor dude just wants to get out of there, play some chess, you know, hang out, and now he's having to answer some dumbass gimmick I put out there. Cooper does look like he's 22 two out there Dwayne like seriously he looks as good as he ever looked with the Cowboys that's not hating on what he did with the Cowboys he always looked good with the Cowboys he looks good with the Browns Who and are this they? is a great fit man what they're doing with him scheming it up the play action you know intermediate passing game not asking him you know letting him use like his one skill his not that he just has one but his best skill right which is getting open in that short to intermediate area um, man, and he just, he and Brissett, man, like they're definitely in tune right now. This is the best Brissett's ever looked ever. And oh. I think a lot of that comes back to Amari Cooper and, and David and Joku as well. Like both those guys are playing well. 
I think Jordan shouted out in our comments, but yeah, I mean, again, it was a bad, oh no, uh, Jared TG. Yeah. Good call. He watched the game. You, you always know when someone watches a Jacoby Brissett game, cause uh, you can actually tell, uh, but yeah, bad pick at the end, a lot of really good things before that. And again, he got them down there in range for the field goal. So it really shouldn't have mattered. Unfortunately it did. On to the afternoon slate. 49ers took down the Panthers 37 to 15. This one really wasn't even close at all. Baker Mayfield, no chance against that top-ranked 49ers defense. And yeah, it just became pretty much a breeze. Jimmy G did have two touchdowns, one to Tevin Coleman, because why not? It's Kyle Shanahan, another short one to Debo Samuel. But even though we did see Tevin Coleman find his way into the end zone again on the ground, Jeff Wilson was the big-time winner here. 17 carries, 120 yards, and a score. And back-to-back weeks with Dwayne, where he looks explosive out there. I mean, he had a 41-yard run in this one. Last week, he had the big, you know, opening drive touchdown against the Rams. So, Jeff Wilson now, when you look at these games since Elijah Mitchell got sidelined after week one, 20, 15, 18, and most recently, 18 touches. Now, the problem is we still have Debo there. Tevin Coleman is getting more involved than we would like to see. But at a minimum, we do have Jeff Wilson getting there between 18 and 20 touches. He's, he's pretty much like Jamal Williams in this offense when DeAndre Swift isn't there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's in more competitive games, you can see more Debo um, down inside the five. Like, it was nice to see Jeff Wilson, you know, get the long carries and then get to actually score his touchdown. Like you mentioned, you know, Ian, some of these guys get down there and then they get taken off the field. You know, I even threw it out there on Twitter. I was like, you know, hey, Jeff Wilson, uh, you know, what's going on? Like, out here still in Debo Samuel's, you know, snaps inside <laughs> the five. I had all these people like, yeah, man, he just had the carry. You got to let him have it. I'm like, chill, people. I'm just kidding. Like, it's just a joke, man. Just joking. Like, you know, we just normally see Debo come out there. Um, so, yeah, that was nice for him. He came through with 20.2 points. And Tevin Coleman, man, like just back from the dead. Never dies. 21.7 fantasy points for Tevin Coleman today. Good. I'm, and, I'm happy, Dwayne. Some of these Gen Zers, like, never, some of these Gen yeah. Zers watching football nowadays, they never saw Tevin Coleman with the Falcons just being one of the more explosive, like, pass-catching backs in the league out there, man. He was sick there for a year or two, unfortunately. Injury bug got him when he was on the 49ers the first time uh, and supposed to be really stepping up. The, the Tevin Coleman, Jarek McKinnon era that uh, just wasn't in San Fran. Awfully disappointing, Dwayne. Uh, quickly on the Panthers, Christian McCaffrey doing all sorts of Christian McCaffrey things, obviously. 27 consecutive non-injured games with 100 yards and or a touchdown. He happened to hit both milestones in this one. Otherwise, uh, Baker Mayfield yeah. seen in a walking boot after, you know, we don't need to kick the guy when he's down. Anything else you want to talk about in Carolina? Uh, I'm done. Pour one out for DJ Moore, <laughs> wide receiver four. Well, hey, look, like they got to 275 passing yards today. Like, you know, <laughs> Philip Walker came out there and like boosted him. You know, he only got to play like seven snaps, you know, and he, you know, I think Baker finished the day with like 212 or something. Uh, but Philip Walker, yeah, 215 for Baker, you know, on 41 dropbacks, uh, 60 passing yards on eight dropbacks, you know, for Philip Walker. So we'll see what happens, man. I, I, I don't want to kick player when he's down, but like it just, it, I would do anything for this to just not be Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, as long as it's legal, it's just got to be legal. I, it's just, I thought he was at least like once, man. Highs with the lows. Yeah, I no, thought so too, man. Just lows. Sheesh. Just lows. Cowboys took down the Rams 22 to 10, easily covering five and a half point dogs. The Cowboys were 
Cowboys pass rush led by Michael Parsons. Banged up a little bit out there, but come, comes back in and gets a sack. It's like, oh, I guess Parsons is okay. Under cashed at 42 and a half. So I guess here, Dwayne, I mean, look, Cooper rushed through for 102 yards. This was a game where they were just, they, they blocked the punt early. You know, they got the, the Marcus Lawrence defensive touchdown. Cowboys got that lead and they just refused to give it up. And because of that, we didn't see them put their foot on the gas. Why would they? The first week Dak is back, though, how willing are you going to be to answer start sit questions with guys like Michael Gallup, like Zeke, like Tony Pollard with a yes? Because we would be saying that more times than not if we knew for sure that we had the reigning number one ranked scoring offense residing in Dallas. But let's face it, this offensive line still very much banged up, hasn't looked like the, you know, just all world beating group that we're usually seeing for the past, you know, five to 10 years in Dallas. And last year with Russell Wilson coming back and now just more, and we don't need to worry about him this year, but it makes sense that a quarterback coming back from an injury on their throwing hand, that is clearly being rushed because look at the freaking updates. They're talking about, he still can't even grip a football yet, but they're hoping he can get there by this next week. I feel like CeeDee Lamb is in your lineup no matter what, but man, I would love to see Dak look like Dak before I go too heavily into Zeke or Pollard back in as a must-start option. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see him, but I mean, right now, like, the, I don't know, like Cooper Rush is playing good, but like you can tell Dallas doesn't want to open things up on offense. No. Um, so I think worst-case scenario, if Dak's playing at less than 100%, we're going to see a similar approach to the game as what we're seeing with Cooper Rush. And these guys, you know, CD only gave you 10.3 points in a, in a PPR today. Like, but it was, it was, you've mentioned it all the way things worked out. Like if the game script, he had a 47% target share. They just didn't need to throw like CD was fine. Like if you were to extrapolate that out, you know, and all of a sudden it was a game where it just been more competitive and the Cowboys had trailed like that. I want to see Cooper rush in a trailing game script. Like, I, I just want to see. I don't know if we do, Dwayne. I don't no, know. <laughs> I, well, I think it'd be good to know. Like, I would like to it'd know. It'd be good to know, yeah. I would like to know because that would help me get a better grip around rest of season rankings for some of these guys just in case Dak comes back, right, and he does have an injury, you know, yeah. or, or the thumb's not right for a little longer. But I think at a minimum when Dak's back, I would treat him the same as we are with Cooper Rush now. But then once we see Dak healthy and we see them open the offense, we hope, hope they open the offense back up. You know how these coaches do? Sometimes like they can get on a one track mind and think, oh, I'm winning football games playing this way. No, you're winning football games because your defense is kicking ass. Like that's why you're winning football games and your defense can't do this necessarily every single week. So I'm really interested to see what is the Cowboys offense going to look like, period, whenever they get put into a scenario where they really need to open things up. That could be very soon because they are playing the freaking Philadelphia Eagles next weekend, which will be a huge spot. I, yeah, it should be. They just beat the freaking two teams in the Super Bowl last year with Cooper yeah, Rush. But I can't not, believe they it. They haven't looked good. Like the Rams have not looked good, man. You're you right. Know, like you're the Rams right. is like Jesus. Like I, know, I don't know if you're ready to transition to them, but God, <laughs> like if, if beyond Cooper Cup, what the hell? Yeah, like, I, I mean, only notice that Dalton Schultz did bang up his knee, and so yeah. keep an eye on that. I'm not sure he's going to be someone we can go back and trust to next week. But yeah, they I'm rushed ready to, that too much. I'm ready to go uh, on the Rams now, and we'll just say that you know one of the funny stats I had, not funny, it was a, a real stat, and you know it was helpful. But uh, <laughs> going into this week, the highest combined target share between any two teammates in the league was Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby, and I got some jokes to that, like saying it was almost like Kobe and you know uh, Kwame combining <laughs> for like 82 <laughs> points yeah. or whatever it was, and okay, like. Like to an extent you do see that, but 
Tyler Higby also just in his own right getting fed, fed, fed. And we saw that one again here, man. Like Cooper Cup, almost a modest 10 targets, like just a, ah, okay, you know, we got 125 yards and a touchdown. I, I guess that's okay, Cooper Cup. The touchdown, ridiculous, one-handed snag. Very nice throw from Stafford. Took it 75 yards to the house. I did think we saw a better version of Stafford throwing the ball than we've seen every week. He had a 54-yard dime to 2-2 Atwell, just missed him on another potential deep one. Again, mentioned that good throw to Cooper Rush. The problem is, Dwayne, this is PFF's dead-last-ranked offensive line pass blocking grade. I would be shocked if it's anything different by the time our grades come out for this week, and they can't they can't give him time in the pocket to look downfield. They can't give him time to wait for Allen Robinson to get open. I'm not sure if any offensive line can give you that amount of time these days. And the run game just continues to not be able to do anything. I mean, when I'm, you know, piecing through this information, obviously we, a lot of things we're looking through getting ready for this podcast. Maybe we don't look at it all at once necessarily, but when I saw that Cam Akers had every single backfield carry, I was like, hold on, here we go. Cam Akers breaking out. Oh, hell no, he's not. Just 32% of the snaps, 56% for Daryl Henderson, and even Malcolm Brown is now factoring in to the equation. It's it's just wild that we have the defending Super Bowl champion offense. And expl- Matthew Stafford threw 41 touchdowns last year. And other than Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby, there's no one on this team you can play and feel even a little bit good about right now. No, it's a complete mess. It is just Higby and Cup. Um eh. I think in shallow leagues, you can just go ahead and cut Allen Robinson if you haven't already. Like, you know, look, the thing with Robinson is we knew it was, we had a question. Last year, we saw the potential start of a down climb, uh, decline, but did, did it really tie back to an injury that we knew he was playing with? The quarterback play with Fields, I think it's pretty clear at this point. Like, the decline had already started. Now, look, the scheme's not doing him any favors. Anytime I see someone post, it's hilarious. Anytime I see someone post like a full video of like all of Allen Robinson's like routes in a game or even some part of them, like it's, it's like, how would you get targeted? Like basically you're just designed to pull coverage down. So Cooper cup can run behind you. You know, I mean, that's all you're doing. So, but if that's not going to change and if the coaches don't feel that maybe Allen Robinson in practice is performing well enough to think that they need to use him more uh, to make him more than just a decoy, then like what's really going to change i don't know like i mean if you're playing in a deep league like it's going to be tough to cut robinson you know you can't have him in your lineups when i say deep like 12 team you know and you guys are starting like two or three flex plays or you just got really deep benches those kind of things um but otherwise like man very willing to move on from alan robinson um one last note on the cowboys i'd probably rush this a tad there um michael gallup uh, out there for 89% route participation. Um, so that's two weeks in a, go, in a row of a really solid number. That was actually ahead of Noah Brown this week. 33% target share. Now, you mentioned earlier, small sample. Dallas didn't need to throw the ball a whole lot. You know, we had Cooper Rush dropping back to pass only 19 times in the game. But still, it is what it is. All we can do is work with the data that we have. And so he was clearly the number two this week behind Lamb. Um, and some of that could come back to Schultz being injured, like you mentioned. I will say, I think part of the problem with this offense, they miss Van Jefferson a lot more, I think, than we give credit to. This dude had 800 yards and six tutties last year. Like, he, I think he was the recipient for like Stafford's first bomb touchdown uh, with the Rams. Like, he kind of has been their deep threat guy, and they didn't, they, you know, weren't able to replace OBJ's field stretching ability, which they didn't use. A I ton. think it's the offensive line, dude. Man, like the it's it's a mixture of all that. Like I'm yeah, just saying, like Robinson uh, doesn't have the time to get these routes. I think developing, or they're not even willing to kind of give him those sort of routes. And 
defenses aren't feeling the need to really go back there because honestly, they're sending two two out well deep twice a game, and maybe they hit one, maybe they don't, and that's pretty much it in terms of Stafford. Like, this year is almost like on you know on Madden when you say pass commit and you have the blitz yeah. going and it's a play action. <laughs> if someone is dumb enough to try to actually use play action on Madden, <laughs> like it's just that's what it looks like now. It's like it's, it's like nope, blitz pass commit, boom, just taking him down. It's like an eight yard loss. Like he comes out of the play action, he pops his head up to look. He's like, oh shit. Like, I'm about to get railed. Like, that's what it looks like, like, half the time now. I'm just mad our uh, Stafford sidearm circus thing was turned off. Two weeks ago, he hit Tyler Higby, like, in the face with a sidearm. And then last <laughs> week, Higby was wide open. Wide Stafford, open. like, <laughs> it was like he was skipping a rock trying to throw it to him in the flat. So, unfortunately, the streak ends at two. But I'll keep you guys updated uh, if we get it going again. Second to last game in this always lovely extended Sunday night edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Eagles took down the Cardinals 20-17. to This game seemed like it wanted to become a shootout, and it just never quite got over the hump uh you know in the first half once again the eagles look pretty much unstoppable for stretches and then you look up at the end of the game maybe not completely blown away about the final scoreboard but hey for jalen hurts none of that matters because this man was put on this planet to score fantasy football points two more rushing touchdowns in this one the man is on pace for two 131 carries this year reminder lamar jackson nfl record for a quarterback just 176 so Unfortunately, Dwayne, not the biggest surprise, but we've talked about this in the passing game. As much of the as they have taken a step forward throwing the football, when you got Dallas Goddard, Devonta Smith, and AJ Brown, you're probably going to have an odd man out more weeks than not. And unfortunately, this week it was AJ Brown. Yeah, it's just going to happen, but it's still a condensed passing tree. Um, I don't know if something happened with AJ Brown in the game. Um, only 83% route participation. That's not normal for him. So I don't know if he got dinged up for a moment that might have something to do with it. We'll have to watch the injury report on him because Devonta was out there for a hundred percent and you got 33% target share. Look, here's the thing. If you have any three of these passing weapons, you just can't bench them. Like you're playing Dallas Goddard, you're playing Devonta Smith, you're playing AJ Brown every week, you know, and if one of them comes up, you know, doesn't do it for you this week, you can't let that like carry over and be like, I'm not starting him next week. Now, if you're in an eight teamer and like, and you just show us a loaded roster, maybe there's some way that that works out. They're but out in there. most leagues, you're not benching any of these guys ever. And if you do, like, you're just going to mat, you're going to drive yourself mad. Like you, you just got to leave them in your lineup and take the big weeks when you get them. Um, and look, they're playing well enough that you're still going to have weeks where they're all going to go off. Like, cause the offense, like it's, it's, it's an ascending offense. Like they're doing a lot of things that we like really well. So I think it's just a situation. You got to stick with them. Uh, Miles Sanders with Boston Scott out, you know, did have another nice day, 74% of the snaps. Now he only came up with 8.4 PPR points. Um, was not out there though in the passing downs. That's the thing, like we would love for Miles Sanders. Can we just get him some of the passing downs? Kenneth Gainwell was still getting it, but playing in a good offense, still getting the majority of the rushing attempts. You know, obviously Jalen Hurts had 41% today. 41% of the rushing attempts. Dude, they QB Hurts, like if there's ever a situation where they're like, maybe we could QB sneak this, they just do. Like, I've never seen a team embrace it that much. I know Hurts is a big guy. He's a big everything. dude. Yeah. Yeah. I guess why not? Yeah, they're like, we don't need a tight end to take our snaps. <laughs> we we have one. His name is Jalen Hurts. <laughs> what was the, uh, I think the, I, yeah, let's just keep beating uh, that topic. Like we saw it in the Bengals game. I don't know how much of the Sunday night game you saw, Dwayne. On one of them, they just put Hurst or maybe yeah. it was Drew Sample over. They literally just lined him up right behind Burrow. And like, like they're not even pretending because once they took away the rule where like you had to pretend to, uh, you know, not touch the guy because, you know, we had uh, the famous uh, touchdown to Ice Bowl back in the day, you know, yeah. uh, Packer dude trying to show he wasn't pushing in now that you're allowed to just push the guy like yeah what are you trying to really hide from 
Jalen Hurts obviously not hiding from much of anyone down there. We know he's going to find his way into the end zone with the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler, you know, running a little bit more these last two weeks, not as much as we want. Still not overly worried. It's Kyler Murray, and the game could have been quite a bit bigger. Marquise Brown, fantastic last few weeks. Like, I made a note. Like, I really want to put together a highlight film of him recently because he's just, to me, over the last two or three weeks, you know, having watched these games, had some of the more impressive uh, performances, I think, of any wide receiver out there. Man, they were starting to work with the pace. Kyler hit Marquise streaking across the middle. I don't want to say it would have been a 70 yard house call, but we know Hollywood can fly when he gets the ball in space. And he certainly got hit in stride. Unfortunately, couldn't have it. Rondale Moore almost had a short two yard touchdown, but Kyler couldn't put it quite in the bucket. Hey, I know Rondale, similar dimensions as Scotty Miller. I'm not going to be too hard on Kyler for that miss, but Dwayne, Talk about what we did see from Rondale Moore because it looks like Greg Dortch was out of the picture. That's a win. That's a huge win. Yeah, yeah, dude. It's Rondale Moore. Like, I mean, and again, this is why you got to bet on the talent, man. Like, so many people are like, oh, man, Greg Dortch is taking this role. I'm like, guys, like, they spent a second-round pick on Rondale Moore. They talked about him all offseason and all the things they were working on with him. Like, you just kind of – you got to read through some of that stuff. And nothing against Greg Dortch. Like, he did a nice – job like filling in doing what he needed to do but rondell moore also available a ton right now still in fantasy leagues like last week he was a big i put out a big buy on him last week not everybody listened he's still available quite a bit so out there 89 percent route participation marquise brown 96 percent. so remember like for a receiver 85 to 95 percent like is where we want you to be like obviously well we would take 100 percent too but um 89 is really good uh, he saw 21% target share today, 26% went to Marquise Brown, and then 26% went to Zach Ertz. Yes, we are going to get DeAndre Hopkins back, but like I think we've seen, like the Cardinals are going to trail quite a bit. Like they're going to have to be in these games where they're going to be throwing, and there's still a chance for this offense to click. You know, as much as Cliff Kingsbury may want to stand in the way of that, like eventually we could just have Kyler, you know, running around doing Kyler stuff. You know, we could have a lot of these, you know, a lot more scoring, hopefully coming from the Cardinals here in the upcoming weeks. Like they're, they're, they're starting to slowly look better as they're getting healthy. They're still, they're still not a functional, like really good offense yet, but there are positive things going on with them. Like they run the two minute offense enough, um, you know, their pace, like from a snap standpoint with how many seconds remaining on the clock really looks good. So there's, even though they're not scoring a lot of points yet, like there's enough things with the Cardinals for me to get excited about. And so I, I like Rondell Moore, you know, a lot. Like, I think he's in a great position. Uh, remember, this is a role where he is actually one of the only guys, Ian, that they're moving all over. Like, they don't, everybody else has to stay stationary. You're not allowed to move in the Cliff uh -huh. Kingsbury offense. But Ron Moore, they're putting him in the backfield. They're putting him in motion. They're putting him in the slot. So it's like, there's going to be some big games. Like, the way I look at him is, like, he's Curtis Samuel on the Cardinals on an offense that I think we have more hope could actually get better. Like Washington, it's like, okay, Curtis Samuel, we love it. He has this great role, but wow, it's just going to be a complete roller coaster the whole time. Like when I look at the Cardinals, I'm still hopeful like that this offense could actually turn the corner and we could be looking, you know, over the last six, seven weeks of the NFL season being like, wow, like the Cardinals, you know, their offense is, you know, top 10 in the league. This guy moving around so Kyler can see him, right? <laughs> exactly. Okay. Yes, exactly. Seriously, though, I 100% agree with you with this offense. Like, they've been terrible for stretches in the first half going into this week. Dead last in EPA per play. What happens in the second half? Literally first. So we did see him get a first half touchdown this week. Baby steps. If you're that good in one half, I understand. You're that bad in another half. Maybe it trends that way. But, hey, highs and lows, Dwayne. Not just all lows. We have seen some highs from the Cardinals. 
Big injuries, though, here. James Conner allegedly okay per Coach Cliff Kingsbury. He'll then tell us tomorrow that he is day-to-day in a game-time decision for <laughs> Sunday, as, so as always. Well. But Kingsbury did say, we checked everything out. It's something in the rib area, and they're just being very cautious with him right now. So just being very cautious certainly does sound at risk of missing this week. The brief instances we've had of Connor being out, it was almost a direct 50-50 committee between Daryl Williams and Eno Benjamin. However, this week, Daryl Williams also got hurt and missed some time with a knee injury. That allowed Eno to kind of go in there, get that touchdown, and do his thing. So, obviously, if both Daryl and James Connor are out, yeah, it should be the Eno Benjamin show. Just knowing Daryl is banged up, Dwayne, is that enough to you get to get the nod to Eno? I know we're not going to rank yeah, either yeah, guy yeah. like it's that fine. high, but it's it, it's fine. At the end, we just really don't freaking know unless unless we'll it's narrowed down due to the injuries. Like we just we don't know for sure what they're going to do. Um, you know, I think Eno at least I feel like he gives you a little bit more spark. But we did see earlier in the season when we thought it was going to be Eno, it was Daryl. You know, it was one L. It was one L. Daryl. You know, coming in and you know, really taking more of the work and both guys were involved. So it, it's a tough situation to figure out. Now, if both of those guys are out, yeah, we're going to love, you know, Benjamin. Oh, well, real quick. Only 18% of the time right now is Rondell Moore uh, rostered in Yahoo league. So he's available. He's, this is a guy that's actually, you know, typically like 30% is the marker where, you know, okay. Like if somebody's, you know, rostered 30% or less, like I can pretty much write about them in any waiver wire column. So Rondell Moore is a guy you guys definitely need to be looking at. Sunday night football. Ravens took down the Bengals 19 to 17. Justin Tucker walked it off for him. Justin Tucker, pretty, pretty good at kicking if you're into that kind of thing. So I've heard Ravens did not cover as three-point favorites. Good for the Bengals on getting that game total 47 and a half under cash there. So with the Ravens, look, more Lamar Jackson goodness for the most part. 58 rushing yards, you know, did have a touchdown to Mark Andrews. Unfortunately, did miss a pair of gimmies. Not one was definitely a gimme. T- Tylen Wallace was wide open for a 40-yard score, basically a coverage bust. Unfortunately, Lamar sailed that one. About two plays before, he had Devin Duvernay for a potential 50-yard touchdown down the middle, and he sailed that one as well. So that sucks. I'm sure someone will you know, put together – put together a clip of Lamar missing him and everything. And I won't cause I'm a Lamar Homer. <laughs> did you, uh, did you but... see the Lamar Lamar had a great throw though, to the outside boundary, a place where he struggled in the past to Mark Andrews over the linebacker under Ooh. the safety, like dropped a dime. And, and this would look with Lamar, like I believe having to move a little bit. So, yeah. Well, it's just funny to me how Lamar and you know, the dual threat quarterbacks, we will pick apart the misses on the throws, but we never look at like Jimmy G or one of these quarterbacks where the second there's even the smallest amount of pressure, the play's just dead. We never like criticize their lack of mobility, but we'll criticize the mobile guys lack of accuracy. I don't know. It's just something I've uh, picked up over the years, but regardless Mark Andrews, the really only sure thing in this passing game. And Devin Duvernay, five catches, 54 yards, and they got him involved on the ground as well with another 24 rushing yards. If Rashad Bateman's going to keep missing time with his foot, okay, you know, Devin Duvernay, if you want to call him a wide receiver four, that's fine. I might argue borderline wide receiver four, Dwayne, but either way, he's an okay enough. I mean, to me, he's almost, I mean, look, we, we like Rashad Bateman's, you know, talent profile better, but like this is a guy that, I know we've liked in the past. I mean, he's a third round pick out of Texas. He had an 81% route participation and okay. we would kill for an 81% route participation. There for, we go. Now we're talking. Bateman. So 
Yeah, I think he's I think he's a high end boom bust wide receiver four. Okay. Um, I was just happy because you know like we're I'm trying to like put some stuff out there around prop bets using utilization and stuff. So I've been like studying all the stuff and looking back and like Duvernay was my dude this week. So he came through. He hit the over on the on the on the passing yards or on the receiving yards. Of course, Devin Singletary did not come through, Ian. So at least I went fifty percent this week on my two. Thank you, Devin Duvernay. <laughs> As always, being clear, uh, we got Drake called Drake Holiday calling us out saying Duvernay is a low end two. Real life low end two, fine. When we say wide receiver four, that is yeah, he's not a low end two in fantasy. Sorry, like if you're in a 16 team league, then maybe we'll say okay. Wide receiver four is ranked between wide receiver 37 and 48. You know, we go by 12s with that. So if you ever hear us saying that, that's all we're talking about there. But yeah, when is the win is a win for the Baltimore Ravens and two? Did their cornerbacks? I felt like they just told them, like trying to shut down Jamar Chase and Boyd and Higgins for the 10 snaps. Uh, he was out there. It was like, make those refs throw a flag every single play. Like, and they just, it was like the, it was like the 1990s, like New York Knicks style basketball, which I didn't actually watch Dwayne, but I read a book about it. And they just kind of <laughs> talked about how like Pat Riley would basically make every single play. Like the baseline was like pretty much a foul. So like they just couldn't physically call every single one of them that went out there. That was, that was what it was like watching those uh, Bengals wide receivers try to get off the line. And obviously it worked because uh, Jamar Chase really was a ghost for most of this one. Started getting going at the end, but, but just another disappointing performance, Dwayne, with Jamar Chase, where, no, he didn't completely kill us. I think he ended up working his way uh, to seven catches out there. With that said, when we have to realize that we all had Chase ranked three or four, and it's one blow-up Cup, Cooper Cup game after another, one blow-up Justin Jefferson game after another, and the fact that Chase has had now two of these games without Higgins pretty much in the picture at all, and they haven't yielded the breakouts that we would have expected for Jamar Chase. So we talked about this in the summer, the difference between Chase and these other guys around him and the potential for him not to see the 180 targets and him to be more of a really, really efficient 140, 150 target guy. I guess just like, what do you think once Higgins is back that both of them should kind of more so be upside wide receiver twos? We're starting them no. regardless. So it's like, just, whatever. Just Jamar but, Chase, man. Like if, okay. if this is really what people are starting to think, like go by, <laughs> go by, like he's a beast, man. We've seen too much. The talent profile is absolutely elite. Like coming out of college, it was elite as a rookie. It was elite. Like we're five games into the season. Like I, I'm fine with Jamar Chase. I'm fine with T Higgins. I'm fine with really like this this whole offense like I'm how is Hurst's uh route route rate because he got like downgraded to DMP on Friday and we saw them kind of being limited with him in the past uh hang on real quick let me come back to it so Devin Actually, I have it up I have it up okay, Hurst, gonna, okay yeah you got if you got it go Hayden Hurst ran 32 routes on I believe Jamar Chase was at 38 routes boy was at 37 Hurst was at 32 and yeah T Higgins only seven everyone so I think Higgins might have actually re-aggravated it I'm not I'm not sure if it was actually something that, you know, they just decided not to play him out. They did, they did come out after the game and say, like, he was available situationally. But, yeah, ultimately, they just went with the other Mike Thomas. And, you know, Dwayne, you got to dial up a shovel pass for uh, Stanley Morgan Jr. on the goal line on fourth and goal uh, when you get a chance as well. But, yeah, I mean, I, if you have anything to say about Joe Mixon's routes, only 22. No, I think the Bengals are good. I actually had a couple other quick notes on the Ravens, like oh, just cool. pulling up the data. Uh so Duvernay did also have the three rushing attempts. So that's positive, right? He had 24 yards rushing, um, plus he had the receiving role. So that could move him into low end. If we thought he was going to you know, remain involved in the running game, like that would make him more of that low end uh, wide receiver three. And he definitely has the upside to give you, you know, like a top 12 finish. You know, if he's in a role like that, 
Um, then I would say the other thing I was just going to pull up really quickly was uh, the running backs because I know we're really on this J.K. Dobbins watch, like what's going on. So Dobbins had 61% of the rushing attempts. Uh, 31% went to um, Kenyon Drake. And then like just from a straight-up standpoint of like the way the snap shares and everything worked, we had Kenyon <laughs> – Wow. Kenyon Drake, 46% of the offensive plays, 44% to J.K. Dobbins. So it does appear that the Ravens and and 9% to Mike Davis. So this is something we've seen from the Ravens for a very long time, Ian, and it just looks like it's not going away. We obviously know Lamar Jackson is going to be involved in the run game. And we've seen them do this where no matter what, like Justice Hill used to be the guy that would get like 10%, right? Lately, he's been the guy getting like 30, 40% with Dobbins, but he was out this weekend. So Kenyon Drake immediately stepped into that role for J.K. Dobbins. Uh, So look, it looks like we're going to really probably be stuck with a committee like Dobbins, though. You still want to buy because we know it's the talent. We know he's only getting healthier. You guys saw last week he scored the two touchdowns. Like He's going to have the games like that. But I think most likely we're not going to see like a full unleashed version of J.K. Dobbins, especially now that we've got Gus Edwards off the pup. He did practice last week. He's eventually going to be brought back onto the team as well. Looks like we're probably still just going to deal with this really nasty three-way committee plus Lamar Jackson being involved in, in the ground game. It's definitely here for right now, and I just thought losing Justice Hill, not having Gus Me too, back, man. And Drake was a healthy scratch last week. Like, it – so it just didn't this work shows out. you how committed they are to it as a coaching staff. Now, again, Dobbins is still early in his recovery. That That's part of the equation, but it's just tough when this is something we've really seen for like four years now yeah. with this yeah. Ravens staff, you know, and, and la- we saw, we've seen it with Dobbins for two years before actually last year, you know, Dobbins, you know, got hurt, but we had seen it with Dobbins as a rookie. So it's kind of a bummer on that front, but again, like talent always has outs. So we'll, but it's just crazy. Like they don't, it's, it's almost like what we think of with the Patriots. Like, okay, great. All these guys are hurt. It's like, yeah, let's just let this guy have a little fun. Now, now I've got to have Kenyon Drake, got to get Mike Davis involved. So they're pretty committed to it. And with that, everyone, after a quick, quick, quick and brisk two hour and 20 minute podcast, we're going to wrap things up here. It's almost 2 a.m. here over on the uh you know in the midwest part of the comp- in the, of the country i can't even talk now Dwayne. i felt my eyes go kind of weird you know when you've been looking at screens too long and your eyes just like kind of lose the ability to focus uh, yeah yeah it happened to me about 15 minutes ago so i'm probably gonna go uh i like going on these like 2 a.m walks with pff lily around the neighborhood uh yeah just a good time man it's so peaceful at night you know i get to wear the hoodie and stuff so great day to be great on uh this monday now so always good when we get to start on sunday and work our way in to monday morning but that's just what football season is all about right Dwayne? and also Absolutely. what football season is all about is the great work that you and many other fine analysts are doing over at fantasy life let people know where they can find you and what you got in the docket for this week yeah, man, you can find it at fantasylife.com. Um, it's all free. Obviously, I'll be working on the utilization report tomorrow, which you'll be able to find over at Fantasy Life. You also have all the de- details over at PFF. And then I will put out my rankings on Wednesday. And then, you know, we'll figure out something cool for later in the week. Um, putting out several, uh, actually, did my first YouTube video, Ian, last Ooh. week, 10 minute or where, you know, they had, you know, someone come in and put in all the graphics and everything, you know, the stuff that you're just like, I I mean, I haven't really done it that way. And I had to like memorize parts of stuff so that I could look at the camera and say it all. I was like, because I'm just thinking, ah, it's like a podcast. You'll come in and I was like, whoa, like this is kind of a whole different thing. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it's it's the same, but it's a little bit different format. So you guys can check out the YouTube channel. Also do two pods a week. 
uh, with Marcus Grant over from NFL Network. Always awesome to get to hang out with Marcus. You know that, you know, Ian, we got to hang out with him in Canton. Such a cool dude. So, yeah, you can find all that stuff over at Fantasy Life, and you can find it at the Fantasy Life YouTube channel as well. You aren't kidding, man. You get those, like, legit producers in there. I've been doing some stuff with Bleacher Report. They're freaking crazy. They're so good. I got this giant ass green screen back here, Dwayne. It's like my entire oh, look at you. room. Yeah, I can, you like, need like a floating around in the ocean right now or something. <laughs> like, who the hell knows what's going on? My office is a freaking mess at this point. Just boxes <laughs> and podcasts, you know, equipment everywhere. But we do it all for you guys out there. So ah, <sighs> great stuff, Dwayne. Love talking to you every Sunday night, my brother. You too, Love- man. Love having our listeners here. I like the chat too, man. Positive chat. We had a couple porn bots in here. We got them out of here, though. Everyone else, uh, it's just been good vibes. I like it. Everyone here to talk ball. Appreciate everything. Porn bots are going to have to start paying, man. Like they've been really coming in hot here lately. They can at least give us a thumbs up or something. You know, I'm not that picky about it, but hey. Anyway, <laughs> with all that said, glad we got to, you know, really end this on a high note. For Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks as always for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.